When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing, wrestling fans? Welcome to another edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. Today's show will cover highlights of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show, which aired on 1240 a.m., WGBB in West Babylon, New York, covering the original episode of December 8th, 1991. Joining me, as always, my co-host, the former managing editor for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, The Wrestler, Inside Wrestling, former executive editor of WCW Magazine. He's a writer, musician, wrestling historian, Bob Smith. Bob, how are you doing today? Hey, everybody. How are you? Uh, nice to see you. It's nice to see Don, and it's nice to see Alex. How is everybody today? Very Everybody's well. doing good. Everyone's good. Uh, say hello to Alex Robertson, uh, direct from Canada. Alex, uh, we missed you last week. Hope everything was... Um, I know that your grandfather had passed a while ago, but it was your opportunity to have that celebration of life, and I hope uh, I hope it, it went really well. Yeah, I mean, we uh, with within the COVID restrictions, we did the best we could to kind of follow his wishes. The biggest thing he wanted was for all of us, the whole family, to walk in to Scotland the Brave. <laughs> so we got to do that and uh, pay homage to our Scottish uh, heritage. So it was a very lovely ceremony, and I was happy that I got to see some family that I don't get to see all the time. Yeah, especially in this environment with everything still uh, seems to be firing up again. But you never know. This thing doesn't go away. There's variants. There's this or that. But, uh, hey, happy to see you. Uh, happy to have you back with us this week. And uh, always happy to have with us uh, making his second appearance back. Uh, the guy that I've known since he was uh, about 15 or 16 years old. Uh, Don Liable. Uh, Donnie, how are you, man? I, I'm great. And, you know, I'm so excited to be able to listen to the, the uh, capsule and go back in time and talk about some of those names that we talk about this week. And I have a really good story about a, a, one of the promotions that uh, we're going to talk about that uh, started to go out of business at that time. So I'm really cool. excited to uh, get into some of the names from the past. Excellent. Uh, very, very good. Alex, you weren't here in last week's episode. And we uh, had Vince Russo on with us, and I have to tell everybody out there that I didn't really uh, think that it would be as polarizing as it was, but it really was. Uh, I guess Vince is polarizing, and people were telling me, you know, how could you associate with him? And I turned it off because he was saying bro too much. I mean, it was just really crazy. I was very surprised with it, and uh, a lot of people just didn't like uh, the fact that he was on. And I said, 
that was very relevant to what was going on in December 1991. Uh, you know, so, uh, just to touch on that, I thought it was, for me, it was an emotional show for two reasons. One, I remember when this was going on, I remember meeting uh, the, one time with you and, and Vince and when we went to uh, EVD to do the show uh, and to see you guys back together again. That, that was good for me. But I got a message from the show last week about hate. And I know it was repeated several times, especially by you, John, about I don't have any hate in my heart. I can't, you know, no hate. And it made me reflect on some things that I felt. And it really made an impact on me to change the way I thought about some people. So uh, it was a, a two-headed sword for me. I thought it was wonderful. And I enjoyed seeing him, listening to him, finding out about some of his uh, escapades, working with the uh, WWF and WWE. Um, I just thought it was a fascinating uh, uh, insight to to a guy that made a difference. Yeah, it was about a 50-50 response so far, uh, you know, and I was like, all right, well, you know, I, I felt it was good. Like you, Don, it was, uh, for me, it was really therapeutic. And there are a lot of things about Vince that I did not know and which I should have known 30 years ago when we started the partnership. And uh, the fact that we were so polar opposites and not only the belief of what we were trying to do, but the fact that I was covering the business from an insider uh, viewpoint and he wanted to really cover the entertainment value of it. I mean, it was just really a match that was never, never really should have been. Uh, but I, I was really happy with the segment last week. And he says, bro, a lot. I mean, that's what he's done uh, for the last 20 plus years. But uh, Bob, your feelings on it? Well, he, here's my take on everything, because I'm really on the outside looking in at this point. I never met Vince before, but I'll say this. I wasn't the biggest fan of a lot of his work, okay? Mm -hmm. But why villainize the person if you didn't like his work? That's two entirely different things. And I don't know what he's done personally in the business. I, I never really looked into it that hard. But all I know is he seemed like a nice guy to me. You know, I, yeah. That's basically all I, I, I can figure out is that you, know, you two have reconciled whatever problems that you two had. I thought it was kind of heartwarming. So if people have a problem with yeah. it, I don't get it. Yeah, hard to get. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, was uh, it was polarizing in some respect. But, hey, listen, we did it. I wanted to do it. And I can only really judge the guy uh, personally on based on uh, our business together. So whatever happened uh, in his interactions with uh, the multitude of uh, wrestling superstars that he dealt with over the years and his booking um, in WCW and then go into TNA and all the things that he's done. I can only really uh, base uh, uh, my conversation with him on what we did together as a, as a partnership. Right. right. And, and so it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people might have thought maybe I should have grilled him on his booking in WCW. I had nothing to do with it. I mean, we 30 years ago, he became my partner. Uh, we were getting ready to start a newsletter. We were getting ready to move to a big radio station in New York. And uh, I felt it was uh, important for us to cover that time period with the deep dive on uh, the partnership, the relationship, and then next year, the eventual split. So. You, know, you know what, John? I, I'm speaking from somebody who wasn't there, who was editing the podcast, and I obviously listened to the whole thing. And I thought it, it sounded very cathartic to me. Mm. And I wasn't even there, you know, for both of you. And, and, you know, our podcast isn't about 
grilling people about the actions that they may have made in the past. It's about talking and reliving the history that was your exactly. show. So that's exactly what you accomplished. I think both of you got some stuff off of your chest that was very much needed. And I have kind of met Vince Russo and he was always very nice to me. So I can only go off of how he's been with me. So if anybody else has, you know, any hard feelings, I guess, about the episode that we did, I, I don't, I think that they're not getting the message of what we were trying to do. Yeah. Well, it was a reflection on what went down 30 years ago and that's the only thing I could uh, base it on. And I'm happy we did it. Uh, I'm, um, uh, I thought it was a great segment and you know, the numbers were there. So, you know, uh, po a polarizing segment, you know, it did draw numbers and, uh, I was uh, I was really surprised at the number. What do you call them? Gifts? Those little video things? Yeah. Those memes or gifts or whatever you call them. And I had so many of those sent to me. Uh, you know, with Jim Cornette, you know, throwing a hatchet and you know, <laughs> it's like all kinds of stuff. So anyway, well, we Jim has Jim has his own deal with with Russo, and yeah. I understand both sides of that. And it's entertaining to listen to those two guys go back and forth. I um. But that's their scene, you yeah, know. We, ha we, we have a little. We have a, we have a little bit of that tonight, don't we? Yes, we do. A little, so anyway, we're not going to give that much of a spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, the Vince Russo stuff. But uh, once again, before we get started with uh, today's show and covering what happened uh, in December nineteen ninety one, uh, I do want to uh, let you know that uh, the podcast is growing, big big numbers. Uh, we're very happy. Uh, as Bob uh, and I talked uh, before we started taping, Odyssey is one of the largest uh, radio uh, uh, apps uh, internationally around the world. I mean, and we're we're um, we're approved and we're now on Odyssey. So if you have Odyssey, you'll be able to get us there as well as so many other places. Uh, but I do want to talk to you about our Patreon account. Uh, and uh, the Patreon account does really help fund the production of this program. We invite you to become a member. Relive the history of Pro Wrestling Spotlight from 30 years ago. You'll get the entire archives of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. All the original, uncut, unedited shows are there. You will also have access to each new podcast several days before it is released to the general public. Patrons right now get the new podcast every Sunday, a full five days before the show is released to all the other podcast platforms. And, of course, patrons get it without commercials. For 5 bucks a month, you'll have access to both the archives and the podcast. And there are several other tiers. If you want bonus audio, video clips, uh, I even put up 8-millimeter clips from my archives. There are photo sets, Zoom calls, and we mail out every single month vintage wrestling magazines from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. There's a level for all budgets. Holiday time is here, so why don't you uh, give yourself a treat this holiday season. Become a patron. Just go to patreon.com slash John Arezzi. And before we begin, we'd like to say hi to the Patreon executive producers, Travis Anderson from Kansas City, Missouri, and our first executive producer, Mr. Jeremy Priest. And uh, everybody, Jeremy had a good idea which I would like to schedule in the next week or so, depending on everybody's time. He thought it would be kind of cool to have kind of a Zoom or StreamYard uh, holiday uh, party virtually uh, with uh, with the team. So uh, 
uh, we'll discuss that. And I think that would be kind of cool because we do uh, these video conferences once a month. But uh, uh, it would be kind of cool to spend uh, some holiday cheer with some of the patrons out there. So, uh, uh, Donnie, I'm sure you have a Santa's hat that you could wear for that. And <laughs> <laughs> will, there, will there be any virtual eggnog? That's what I want to know. Oh, there'll be eggnog right here, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will be uh, partaking in a little holiday cheer for sure. That's so, my man. <laughs> so uh, we'll go over that. I'll send everybody an email and see when we can put it together. I'll get an invite out uh, on the patreon.com slash John Arisi page. And maybe we could spend uh, an hour or so with some of the fans that support this show through their generous uh, memberships with Patreon dot com uh one other thing i'd like to mention and then we'll get right into this week's episode uh we do have a whole new line of merchandise that is out there now go to tinyurl.com slash pws store and uh there's a lot of stuff there now so uh, if you're looking for a hoodie if you're looking for a t-shirt uh convention t-shirt from 1991 uh, a remake of that there are posters, uh, autographed copies of Matt Memories, the book, and so much other uh, great wrestling stuff. So that's tinyurl.com slash PWS store. So Pro Wrestling Spotlight, Bob, uh, December 8th, 1991. We're here to cover it. And uh, it was an interesting episode. We had uh, one Mr. Jim Cornette on the show. Yes, we did. And... Um... We had the wrestling news of the day. Do you want to want to get to uh, Donnie's part now? Let's get into the capsule, man. Let's the go capsule, back in time. Yeah, yeah the uh, time capsule. Wait, we're going to get in the Wayback Machine now and, and discover what was going on 30 years to the week. Are we ready, ready, guys? I'm ready for it. All right, let's go with it right now. Donnie, are you there? Very good morning, John. Yes, I am. Feeling real good today. Sounds like Christmas has already uh, been in Utica. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, just as I've been waiting to go on here, not that it's my uh, magazine by choice, but looking through a copy of my wife's January 1992 issue of Good Housekeeping, uh, just happened to be laying around, there's an article in there called Wrestling, Good or Bad for Kids. And it leads off with the drug connection, talking about steroids. So uh, if any of our... Uh, Married listeners out there have a copy of this laying around the house. They might want to check it out. So what did you think of the article yourself, Don? Well, John, uh, I was just getting through it, and I think it's pretty good. Uh, was it next to the recipe for Christmas cookies? No, it's next to disinfectant to the rescue. <laughs> I better get out of that one. But, you know, speaking of the AWF, um, you, you mentioned Hercules Ayala, and I'm sure uh, some of the uh, uh, veteran fans out there, such as an Evan Ginsberg or somebody, will remember Hercules Aiello used to be a regular on the WWF TV shows from the Philly Arena as uh, Benny Aiello uh, back in, I'd say, the early 70s, 73, 4, and 5 around that era. So uh, he's been around a while. Not to be confused with the Benny Aiello used to play for the Mets. That's right, Benny Aiello with I'm the Mets. I'm testing you, John. I know, Mr. Met out there. Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, yeah he could buy and sell uh, everybody right now. but uh, even, hey, her, even Herb Abrams. What is the new nickname, John? For Herb Abrams? Uh, yes. I've heard that. That's not coming from me, but someone said that uh, Herb Abrams is the Grim Reaper. Uh-huh. Might be a place for him in the Royal Rumble. Could be. They need 30 people there. Speaking of the uh, Royal Rumble... Donnie, before you get into that, now where did the people hear about this first, as far as Royal Rumble uh, being the new title uh, up for grabs? Didn't you have something like that in your report last week? Uh, yes, I did. 
Weren't, uh, you, weren't you the person who picked Sergeant Slaughter for I, WrestleMania? I didn't want to bring that up again, but I, if I never pick another prediction correctly, I call the Sergeant Slaughter Hulk Hogan match in October, well before the WrestleMania. So, uh, yeah, I'll take credit for that. But now, do you have a direct hotline right into Vince McMahon's office or what? Uh, it, it's tapped into somewhere in Stanford, Connecticut, but I don't want to tell you where. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I thought your contact was Coogie McFarlane. Uh, of course, I, I talked to him uh, through the, uh, the the urn. I think Coogie's in the urn right now. He could be. <laughs> oh boy! Well, I had a good weekend this uh, week. I was uh, in Boston. Uh, what a, a match! Uh, Killer Kowalski had a card and uh, got me in good spirits there. So, uh, which I will tap on at the end of my report here. Okay, what's going on? So, okay, John, thank you and good morning, everybody. The World Wrestling Federation leads off the capsule, as John alluded to earlier. Hulk Hogan did recapture the WWF Heavyweight Championship from The Undertaker in San Antonio, Texas this past Tuesday evening by throwing ashes from the urn that Paul Barrow was holding at ringside. But with the ashes going in The Undertaker's eyes and impairing his vision, Hogan was able to roll him up for the pin. However, WWF President Jack Tunney at ringside witnessed the ordeal and has stripped the Hulkster of his title belt. The winner of the January 19th Royal Rumble in Albany, New York's Knickerbock Arena will be declared the new champ. Well, after 36 years of continuous airing, the Portland Pro Wrestling Television Show will be going off the air on December 28th. Uh, according to a report in the Pro Wrestling Torch, Oregon promoter Don Owen attributes the gloomy news to his bad, to bad economic times. However, KPTV station manager states low ratings and high production costs for canceling of the Saturday night wrestling program. The report also states the station wants to rent its production facilities and doesn't want them tied up with Owen's show. A longtime sponsor of the Portland show filed for bankruptcy a few months back. Well, former National Wrestling Alliance referee Tommy Young has filed suit against his former employer, World Championship Wrestling, that due to the wrestlers involved in a match not following the script, according to Tommy Young, thus causing his career-ending injury. Young is said to be seeking $25,000 in damages, and reports have it that Young was tossed into the ring ropes as a result of Tommy Rich when the lights went out in Atlanta's center stage. Now, Young has suffered serious spinal injuries and has been advised medically never to get back into the ring. And promoter Gordon Scazzari's fledging American Wrestling Federation will be holding their initial television taping on Monday, December 16th in Lowell, Massachusetts, beginning at 7 p.m. in the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. Now, the show, billed as Christmas Chaos 1, promises Paul Orndorff, Nikita Koloff, Stan Lane, uh, Eddie Gilbert among the crew, he has Chris Cruz, Angelo Poffo, and James E. Cornett, as it's listed on the flyer, as their TV announcers. Now, uh, Gordon is promising $2 of every ticket goes to the children's hospital. Uh, they didn't say what hospital, but it is a children's hospital. Uh, a couple quick notes here at the end. Uh, interesting note, 1979, 12 years ago yesterday, Southeastern Championship Wrestling in Knoxville, Tennessee, their main event Andre the Giant taking on Sterling Golden, of course. Sterling Golden later on becoming Hulk Hogan. Apparently, at a breakup of the TWA Tag Champs based in Florida, the Blackhearts, Tom Nash and Luna Vashon are on a search for their newest team member. And to show you uh, what a real pro, at least in my opinion, is in wrestling, Friday evening, uh, Bob Orton wrestled in the Boston area against Nikolai Volkov. Now, you want to know what's so special about that match? Well, Bob Orton had just returned 15 hours of travel from Germany to Boston. He had wrestled for a promoter, Otto Wants, in a 40-minute match with England's Steve Wright in a championship match there in Bremen, Germany. Got on a plane 15 hours, came to Boston, went right to the arena, and had his match. 
Not too many people would do that or could do that uh, these days. So uh, Bob Orton uh, gets the tip of the hat for the day. And John Castle time, 1219. It's a lot of information uh, packed into just a couple minutes as it was every week on the time capsule. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, go ahead, Don. But, no, uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go right ahead. No, I mean, there was so much information in that particular news capsule from the Don Owens thing to Tommy Young uh, um, and also the Royal Rumble uh, getting the uh, uh, the deal to choose the next champion after Hogan beat uh, Undertaker, then the title was held up. But you had a lot well, a lot in there. Uh, yeah, uh, it, I just thought I had another thought as I'm listening to this Um I don't know if I ever told you about the time uh, Tommy Rich came up in conversation and Tommy Rich just hauled off and punched me in the chest one night. And I'll tell you what happened. Uh, I was in, in the Boston area for ECW. Uh, my two friends were their promoters in New England and we were in Worcester at the Palladium. They would run Worcester on a Friday night and Saturday they were in, in the Boston area in Revere. And Tommy Rich, of course, was, you know, like the, the father of all parties at all times. And he had asked me to tell my two friends about the, he wanted to know what room at the hotel that was going to be a party or something. And, you know, uh, it just slipped my mind. I wouldn't, you know, wasn't really thinking about that. And the next night in Revere, Tommy, when Tommy Rich came into the dressing room, he saw me when it came up to me and he just punched me in the chest. And I didn't know what if it hurt more or if I was scared, like, what, what's he going to do next? And he was angry because I didn't tell the other people what room the party was in. So that's my lasting memory of Tommy Rich uh, surviving a shot from him. Uh, I'm talking about Tommy Young, who I think was one of the best referees ever. And uh, I remember the first time I saw him was when the IWA came to the Northeast. Uh, he was working all uh, their TV tapings out of the Carolinas and, and whatnot phenomenal referee he could take a, a bump and he could sell sell that pin uh, oh so well um when we talk about lowell uh with the awf tapings here's another story uh it was around 2000 in fact it was two days after i spent time with you on long island i was riding with uh, dean malenko travel guerrero jr and the perry saturn and um if we, we ended up leaving New York after Madison Square Garden. We drove through the night to Boston. They were going to have SummerSlam there. And um, we were in Lowell for a show, and uh, we're at a uh, uh, Applebee's. And in the middle of ordering, the uh, fire alarm goes off. So they're trying to evacuate the, the restaurant. And somebody else yells out, hey, let's get out of here. We don't have to pay for our meal. And everybody's like scattering like, like roaches, you know. <laughs> and as the boys are the boys, Saturn sat there. He had the waitress uh, come over. He said, the quicker you bring me my food, the bigger your tip. And as the, everybody's running out of the place, not knowing if it is a real fire, the three wrestlers and moi <laughs> were sitting there. And Saturn was, you know, trying to up the, the, the – uh, the tip for the wait waitress. So that was my uh, my forever alone uh, story. Uh, Don Owens, very sad. Uh, you know, I I grew up on the territories, and that was one of the last where they had wrestling inside a studio. I mean, I was lucky enough to go a couple times to Memphis well, at, at Channel Five there, and, and you, I mean, you're right up close to the ring, and it's just so wonderful. But um, now Don Owens, he was getting ill. He ended up dying. I think it was in uh, 2002 or whatever. But, uh, you know, WWF, WCW were going national, of course, and that was hurting, you know, with, with his production, having his people in there. I remember a lot of people went through um, 
Portland. I remember Kurt Henning was there, uh, Rick Martel, uh, remember Art Barr, Steve Dahl. I mean, they, everybody came through there. My, my, my quick story about uh, um, Portland, uh, one summer when I was spending time at Rick Martel, and as you, you know, John, I just keep asking him a million questions all the time, want to find out this, that, and the other thing. And Rick told me, he said, Stan Stasiak, former name in the WWF and champion, he said Stan Stasiak made a profound effect on his life and his career because when Rick was a young guy just starting out, he went to um, uh, Portland like a lot of people did to get seasoning. And uh, he said he remembers Stan at the time was working as a TV commentator for, for Don Owens. He was down on his luck, didn't have any money or anything, and really had no place to go. And Rick had told me, he, Don Owens called a meeting in the dressing room, and all the boys are there. And I don't remember the specifics, but Don just uh, berated Stan Stasiak, and, and, and just Stan had to stay there in front of everybody and take that. And Rick said, I remembered that specifically because here's a guy who was somebody in the business and had to take this, uh, you know, verbal abuse from a guy and, and he couldn't respond or anything because he was afraid he'd lose his job. And Rick said because of that, he made sure that he would always save his money. And he said, I never wanted to end up like Stan Stasiak where I had to be humiliated, you know, just to get a payday. Uh, so I thought that was very profound. Um, also, when we talk about, um, I said, oh, yeah, 12 years back, uh, uh, Southeastern Championship Wrestling, uh, there was uh, Andre the Giant and Sterling Golden, which was Hulk Hogan. I was down there at that time. Uh, the WFIA had a convention there. And uh, those, again, the territories are fat, phenomenal. And I can remember seeing for the first time uh, Hogan and um, Dizzy Boulder, which was Brutus Beefcake in the making together. And at the time, they, they were making about 50 bucks a night, uh, if that, sometimes. And I can remember then seeing how big he was. And all I thought about was this guy's going to be a huge star someday in New York because look at the size of him. I mean, even then, they, they were traveling in a van and probably living in a van at that time. And I, I think that uh, as you look back on it, that was just getting things prepared for coming to work for Vince McMahon, where, where Hogan and Andre were, were, were working there. Um, also, the AWF tapings we talked about. Um, what what a what a crew that, that they brought in for that, and of course, you know, spent all of Gordon's uh, money. I mean, the she the original Sheik was with them. Uh, um, of course, Jim Cornette, Bob Orton, uh, the two Kamalas were there. Mike Sharp. I mean, JYD. The names that were there that he brought in were phenomenal. And I don't think those tapes ever aired on television. Um, as a well, shame. I, th I think Bob saw them in New York, didn't you, Bob? Actually, no, yeah. They actually ended up on New York City television. It was either on Channel 2 or Channel 4, I don't remember which. It was wow. on very late at night on Sundays, I believe, like 1 a.m. or midnight or something just, like just that. Just like a handful, right? And a it did, yeah, it didn't last very long. If it lasted longer than six weeks, I would have been surprised. And, and the production and, the production values were stellar. It looked looked like a major league production. And Chris Cruz, uh, I believe, did their TV commentating. And not long ago, I'm driving in my car and on the radio uh, at the top of the hour, this, the station carried CNN radio. And there's Chris Cruz is still on the air doing, you know, the news on the radio. I, I couldn't believe that. But um, anyway, plenty going on at that time. Um, of course, the Dangerous Alliance. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson and, and, and Paulie also had Sabisco, Rick Rude. 
um, uh, Medusa and, and Steve Austin together. Um, it, it was fun, but it, it was very sad to see that the death of another uh, and one of the very last uh, regional promotions coming out of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and Bob, what are your memories of uh, the Don Owens uh, promotion up there in Portland? Well, all I know is when, when Don mentioned on his capsule that, you know, production costs and all, <laughs> I had to snicker to myself because I got to tell you, I don't think they ever changed that studio <laughs> from the minute the, the show debuted to right. the day it went off. It had a kind of a grungy look to it, but it was very appealing at the same time because it was a real wrestling facility, you know, and all the fans got used to, to, to the feel and flow of Portland wrestling. And like, and like Don said, the people that went in and out of there, I mean, Roddy Piper was a regular there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, you know, Playboy Buddy Rose was a big star there. The, the, the locals there, Dutch Savage. I mean, you just go down up and down the list and it was, really a breeding ground for people who went on to the so-called larger federations. It was a great show. It was a terrific show and it was a no hold barred show. I mean, they had a lot of bloody matches on television on, on that program. They had a lot of scientific wrestling and they did something in Portland that not a lot of federations did. They had face versus face matches, which is pretty rare. You know, yeah. it, it's a regular course. Like they would have an opening match, which would be two scientific wrestlers going at each other, which not a lot of promotions would do, but Portland would do that. Yeah, losing uh, promotions uh, like uh, that one, uh, the end was near. I mean, it was just kind of, it was just kind, you know, it was just, it was just a, a great time. And uh, the Portland, uh, I guess you could say, uh, with that facility they had, if you could use the word charm for wrestling charm. right it was oddly charming um at wayland right at my, uh, who was, that, was who was calgary. that was calgary who was the announcer on portland wrestling um uh, don the name owen, was don owen and, did it but there was another there was another guy mm-hmm. and i can't remember his name right now you wow know, you know when you when you say charm john i think that's a great uh, uh term because when they had, they call it their Portland Sports Arena, mm-hmm. it reminded me of Jack Witchie's Arena in yeah. uh, North Attleboro, Massachusetts, where you were right up close to the ring. You know, it was like being in a TV studio. Um, and, and you know, today uh, people don't, of course, w- would never experience that or they would think it's, it's, you know, beneath the promotion to have that. But how great would it be to go into a TV studio where you have you maybe uh, – four rows of seats all around and, and they cut all the promos and, and you're, you're, you're just, uh, you're part of it. It was just uh, wonderful. Yes. I mean, I mean, let's face it. It made the sportatorium look like Madison square garden, but it had the feel to it. You know, it had that gritty wrestling feeling and the fans, mm-hmm. fans were always into every match. I mean, they drew great enthusiastic fans for the TV taping, just like Memphis, similar to Memphis. Yep. Well, uh, you know, that certainly was a fairly big news week with uh, all the news that you covered, Donnie, 30 years ago. And as we're speeding towards rapidly getting to uh, 1992, where uh, there's going to be so much to cover. And over the next couple of weeks, as we end out this year, uh, you know, your thoughts, your recollections, your stories about uh, this time period of wrestling is uh, very invaluable to us and uh, that's why we look forward to going back in time with the time capsule every single week right here at our podcast. So, Don, I want to thank you uh, for being with us again tonight, and we look forward to next week. And I hope you dig and listen to all these old radio shows now that you're back in this thing with us. 
It's, it's amazing to call it the let's go to these old radio shows. It, what's amazing is that, and I not only do I know the show, I lived the show. Yes. And it's just the memories are just rekindled. Are so, so what may have bothered me back then makes me chuckle now. Yes. So uh, it really is a great journey. Yeah, it is. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And over the next few weeks, my goodness, I mean, uh, wait to the listeners uh, who are listening to this here, especially our Christmas episode, which is going to air in a couple of weeks with Jason Hervey and Missy Gilbert, uh, Missy, not Missy. Well, she was Missy Gilbert at the time, (laughs) Uh, but well, Missy Hyatt, the things they say about Eddie Gilbert and uh, you know, we're always going to have a little controversy, but uh, Don, we look forward to bringing you back next week and uh, hang out and listen if you want. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, we'll uh, continue on. So for the time capsule, uh, capsule time. We don't have it because, you know, it's not real time radio, but uh, I used to love listening to that with your capsule time. And Donnie, always a pleasure. We'll, we will see you and talk to you next week, my friend. Thank you. All righty. Don Liable here uh, at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight uh, podcast. And uh, each and every week we bring Donnie on and uh, to go over what happened 30 years ago in that, uh, in that news capsule now called the time capsule, Bob. Don is a walking encyclopedia of minutiae. And I mean that as a compliment. I mean, he he remembers everything. Yes. Uh, 70s and 80s stuff. I mean, he just rattles off the facts and figures like nobody I've ever met. He's amazing that way. He really is. Invaluable with the knowledge and with the memory that he has and and the stories and and some of the things. I mean, I think we've all had our encounters with uh, various wrestlers and, and Don certainly had uh, a number of those. And and that Tommy rich story. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's funny a little tiny bit, but most of it is like, you know, you don't want to get punched by anybody. No, you don't want to give out the room number for a party. You don't want to be punched in the chest by a 250 pound professional wrestler. They know how to punch. No, No, they certainly, they certainly do. But uh, we had an interesting show, uh, you know, 30 years ago this week, Bob. I mean, uh, we got a lot to cover here, so let's go to it. Yeah. Um, the, the next clip is one of the best segues ever on Pro Wrestling Spotlight, I think, because they went directly from the news capsule into a guest appearance by the always brilliant Jim Cornette. Ah. Puts an end to some rumors in this section, and you get some comments from, once again, fans, Vince Russo. Vinny Russo. Vinny Russo, as you would call it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get to it. All right. Here is the one and only, one of a kind, Mr. Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette is on the phone right now as well, listening into the conversation. We're going to say hello to Jim first of all. Jim, are you there? Yes, I am, John. How are you feeling? Well, uh, getting over a little uh, little fluishness, a little gunkishness. Not too bad, though. Gunkishness? A little gunkishness. That's what we call it down <laughs> south here. Uh, yeah, I, I had gunkishness last week. <laughs> <laughs> that's also that's also a Jewish meal. Is it really? Yes. Uh, Sounds appetizing. And we're also joined here by um, Vinny Russo, and uh, Vinny is uh, uh, formerly one of our sponsors here at Will of Thrill Video, and uh, uh, we're coming out with the new line of video cassettes uh, next uh, year, and it's well as a new newsletter, Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly, which will be published. And uh, Vinny, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening with the newsletter? Well, we're looking to kick off the newsletter to come out the first week in January of 1992. The first newsletter will be a year in review where we'll discuss what happened in the year of 1999. Um, We're going to mail the first newsletter out free. The first issue will be free, so what we need the listeners to do right now is to get out a piece of paper and write down the address so we can get your name on a mailing list. 
Uh, send your name and address to Pro Wrestling Spotlight, 136 North Call Avenue, Suite 125, Babylon, New York, 11702. And also, if you have any letters to the editor where you might like to express your opinion or ask some questions, send, send them also to the same address. But look, look for the newsletter the first week in January, and um, after that, it will be a weekly... Um, weekly subscription. Yeah, and later on in the program, we're going to tell you about a few different categories you could vote on for that first issue for the year-end in review, and we're looking forward to uh, serving the public. We're also going to try to gear it a little bit uh, towards the electronic media, radio, and television, uh, with Steve Beverly's Matt Watch uh, not going to be in existence anymore after uh, January 20th, I believe, or January 27th. Uh, we hope to pick up some of the slack that Steve is uh, uh, going to be leaving the wrestling fans with. And uh, that's basically about it as far as the newsletter goes. Uh, uh, Mr. Cornette, uh, I assume we're going to see you here next week, right? Uh, well, where are you at? <laughs> we're in uh, this area, in the uh, New York area. I was going to say, they moved it now. <laughs> they moved it. I had, a, I had a very interesting conversation with Gordon Scazzari on the phone this morning, and uh, all I can promise is that it's going to be a, a fun night with thrills, spills, and chills for everybody involved. Now, you still won't be at the Asbury Park show, though, right? No. Uh, that is, the 14th, we are uh, in Ambler, Pennsylvania, for Jolton Joel Goodhart. Uh, but we will evidently be there the 16th now, not the 15th. Mark that down on your calendars, kids. Uh, the 16th in um, uh, Massachusetts. Lowell. Lowell, Massachusetts. Have yeah. you ever been up there? Uh, thankfully, no, not yet. And uh, where is that, anyway? Uh, that's in Massachusetts. Well, I figured that, John. I, hey, you're supposed to feed me the straight lines. I'm supposed to give, you know. Okay, fine. Uh, it's somewhere I, in the greater Boston area. Yeah, I would, I would assume it is. I think yeah. I was up there once. Oh, well, believe me, if you ever had been, you would have never forgot it. It's, uh, it's an interesting place. I think, as a matter of fact, I attended a show there a long time ago, years ago. Boston uh, Boston is, gosh, one of my favorite places. I can think of nothing more that I'd like to do than go and and just visit Boston and stay there for, for ages. As a matter of fact, I was there for a month one night. I, I was looking at the Farmer's Almanac, which I usually do when I have nothing else to do when I'm not watching wrestling, and it says that uh, around the uh, the 15th or 16th of the month up in uh, Boston uh, predicted a uh, blizzard coming in. Oh, wonderful. And uh, Herb Abrams will follow after that. Yes, with, with lawsuits galore for everyone. Yes, his big yes, as a matter of fact, that's going to be one of the features of, of the AWF card that night in Lowell. What's that? Herb Abrams, dressed as Santa Claus, will come in with his bag of goodies and deliver depositions to all the little kitties. That's <laughs> 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 pretty funny. But we, uh, there's been some things happening in your career, Jim, that we'd like you to clarify. There's been some rumors. You know, the rumor mill is always uh, hot and heavy in the wrestling business and through all the newsletters and... The word speculation has been used so many times. Uh, uh, you know, I like when <clears throat> Dusty says that, too. Speculation, speculation if you will. Speculation, if you will. Uh, that's pretty funny. But uh, we heard... Uh, that's why you're laughing uproariously, right? Yeah. Well, I just had to push my cough button while I was laughing at it. I want the listeners <laughs> to think I'm having too much of a good time. What did you hear, John? We heard that you had w were offered by the World Wrestling Federation a position to come into uh, before Mr. Perfect was uh, appointed the executive consultant of Ric Flair, that you offered the position and turned it down. Well, I, I, I can honestly say nobody, nobody from the World Wrestling Federation office that I've talked to in, in months and months and months and months and months, you know... Nobody from the office have I spoken to whatsoever, so I've, I've never 
gotten an offer from the World Wrestling Federation. Okay. Well, I never say never, but I haven't about that particular thing. Okay, because we, you know, we hear things, and uh, it's also the same thing that uh, I'd heard that uh, Kevin Sullivan was being offered a position in the WWF, bringing in someone called the Idol. I asked Kevin about that, and he said, I wish somebody would call me and ask me if uh, that was true. <laughs> Could you imagine Jim Cornette managing Ric Flair? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that would be incredible. I would have loved to seen that, but it's really interesting to hear Corny um, back then, and uh, and I was hoping beyond hope that he and Vince would have had a conversation. Uh, that was like in my in my mind, wishing that there would be have been a conversation because that would have been the very first time. But it was the very first time they were actually on the air at the same time in history. Wow, that's true. I never even considered. You know, I listened to these clips. I never even considered that. Yeah, I didn't even think of that in those terms at that point. Pretty, pretty historic, even though they didn't exchange um, any comments with each other. We were in the middle. Uh, Vince was uh, ne had negotiated a uh, a, a videotape series called uh, Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, the early years that had come out early in 92. It was a three-part uh, VHS that Jim picked the matches for. And uh, we had released that in 92, and I think we had it for sale at the convention in 92 as well, if I'm not mistaken. But those two, what a history. I mean, talking about the polarization of Vince being on this program last week and uh, and and then, of course, the history between Cornette and uh, Russo. I mean, but that was the very first time that they were actually uh, at least live on the air at the same time. Virtually in the same place at the same time. Virtually in the same same place at the now, same I, time. I have a question for you. All this talk of VHS. Have yeah. you saved all your old VHS? Uh, most of them, yeah. Wrestling? You know, I yeah. have too. That's the only thing I've saved. Yeah. I, I, I did throw out hundreds. I did have hundreds more that I threw out when I sold my house. Uh, just There were boxes, and I just threw them all out. But, uh, but uh, I do have quite a bit still. I made appearances. I, I actually have VHS of me hosting the first ECW program from Channel 7 in Philadelphia. I, I haven't looked at these tapes. I never even looked at them. I have interviews of me interviewing Tony Atlas and people like that from Mario Savoldi's uh, Federation. Uh, my one appearance on WCW, you know, stuff like that. Uh, yes. In Memphis, when I visited Memphis with Jerry Lawler, when uh, – Leatherface attacked us in the studio at that point. But, Take um, them, put them in a big box, and send them to Legacy Box is the name of the company. Right, yeah. And they're doing a Christmas special right now, Bob, and you could put 20 of those tapes in there, and it's only going to cost you $240. I should have them as a sponsor, actually. Gee, Kodak, Kodak, Digit Kodak has another service, and they're doing the same thing. Gee, I, I, I got I, berated. I, I got berated here in New York because I – had digitized a lot of stuff for my sister, uh, family movies from, you know, dating back to the late 50s, home movies and videos of my nephew growing up. And there were still some I didn't get to. And she was like, where are those tapes? Like, you know, she wants them all. And I was like, well, I should just put them in a legacy box and get them back out to her. But uh, those are memories that you can't, you know, you got to have them. So I, I would recommend that you digitize those. And um, Well, be believe it or not, I'm so... I don't know, modernly acute that I can do it on my own. You can, but is it just laziness that you haven't done it? What Absolute is it? laziness because VHS is the only thing that you record that has to be done in real time. Yeah. We are so used to digital files. I'm sure Alex will vouch for this. You want to move it from one place to another, boom, it's there. Digital information moves very quickly. 
VHS, you have to record in real time. You can't just zip it into a file. Hey, Alex, and, uh, got a question for, I got a question for you when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Do you remember VHS or is it all DVD? No, I, I, for the first few years of my life, like all of my Disney princess movies, they were on VHS. Okay. 100%. Yeah. So this, this is not that foreign a conversation for you. No, I remember, I would say late 90s, early 2000s. I, we still had one at home for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, those are the days, you know, and, and uh, now it's just kind of everything is on a, you know, you can put everything on a, on a file. It's crazy. I, I have boxes and cupboards full of VHS that I haven't touched in literal decades. I, I, I don't know what to do with it. I, don't, I can't bring myself to throw them out. Yeah. It's, it's like... I spent so many years resolution. taping, you know, I have old ball games and stuff too. It's, it's like, well, oh, yeah. it just feels like a sacrilege to throw them away, but I know eventually I'm going to have to. So I, I have so much. I had all the wonder years episodes. I used to love the wonder years. I mean, it was just a good, great show, but now, you know, you could stream everything. So everything you could stream that those videotapes are worthless, really, mm -hmm. uh, unless you find some wrestling uh, gems on them. I and have, I, I have some very controversial wrestling clips. That I think if the major federations saw them on regional TV, they would poop their pants. Yeah. The stuff they got away with on local promos back in the old days was a scandal in and of itself. They couldn't say what they used to say to get heat today. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of clips like that. You know what? We're also getting we're getting a lot of comments from the Paul E. Dangerously um cactus jack appearance from a few weeks ago after you know i'd got the big elbow dropped on me and fans are commenting on what they were commenting on back then especially paul e when he called massapequa a town filled with muhammad ali's so people are saying oh you could get away with anything back then and you could say this or that and i see donnie jumping up and down <laughs> but that's know, the way it is i mean you yeah you know, i these mean things that were said back then from paul e it's like today it's like you know, you, you couldn't get, say you it. Get, you get canceled, you know? True. I mean, mores were different. That's just all it was. I mean, uh, you had Paulie calling Missy Hyatt abroad. Nobody says that anymore. No. It's not the thing to do. It's just no. not acceptable. But back then you could. I mean, yeah. seriously. I mean, you. it was – I've heard many athletes use that term. So – yeah. I don't know what to say other than time to change. And they have changed for the better. Let's not, you know, let's not. Yes. Let's not mince words here. But if people get offended by a few words that, you know, come onto your show, it was 30 years ago. Well, there was even more than that. If you go back and hear wrestling promos from 40 or 50 years ago, especially in Los Angeles, when they used to do the tapings there. And uh, some of the things that were said about uh, the Mexican audience was just. You listen oh. to it today and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that these things were being said. You know, even more recently in the 70s, I'm telling you, the local Albany, New York promos for WWF, the things that Grand Wizard and Lou Albano and Fred Blassie yeah. said. Yes. Were off the charts. Those are the three culprits. And I and I think that the smaller the market like Albany wasn't the New York market. I think the more they felt they could get away with, I really do. And they did get away with it. There was no blowback to anything they said. And they said some really then. harsh stuff, you know, yeah. not back yeah. then, not at all. Yeah. Well, what else we got with Jimmy, Jimmy Cornette? Well, here, here's, here's an interesting, very short clip about a very interesting topic. At least I feel it is 
he Jim talks about Bobby Eaton joining Paulie dangerously, which is something it would you wouldn't even fathom that happening. But you know, Jim had moved on at that point. Yeah, and um, Bobby stayed with WCW. Let's give it a listen. You got it. Here it comes. Uh, many consider you the top wrestling manager in the business today. Many are right. Many are right. Uh, Paulie Dangerously right now is uh, creating a lot of waves down in World Championship Wrestling and also managing uh, beautiful Bobby. Can you tell us what your opinions are of uh, the situation with the Dangerous Alliance? Well, you know, everybody knows that World Championship Wrestling is not the most stable place to be employed. And uh, they, they, they seem to recognize Bobby's talents earlier in the year. And, uh, and gave him a shot at the TV title, which he won, and then all of a sudden everything started falling apart from there. Bobby saw an opportunity to team up with Arn Anderson, who's, who's one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the business, and uh, who's been a friend and enemy of his in the past, but they always have a respect for each other. And he knew that, that a team of himself and Arn would, would be the best team in World Championship Wrestling. Well, you got to take the good with the bad, right? So to do that, he had to, he had to be managed by Paulie Dangerously. Well... From what I understand, I think uh, Bobby has basically told Dangerously to sit down, shut up, and leave the wrestling to those guys and uh, just, you know, just watch and learn. And, uh, and I think that way uh, Bobby can tolerate him. But I tell you what, if I know Paulie, and believe me, I'm afraid I do, uh, he's going to open his mouth one time too many, and Bobby's going to stick the Alabama jam down his throat one of these days. Hmm. Well, I uh, saw some of the clips they had from the Atlanta Omni last, Omni last night, and Paulie did seem to be pretty well-behaved at ringside. Pretty much uh, kept himself to one corner. Hey, and, uh, managing Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson, all you have to do is put yourself on automatic pilot. That's I mean, there's nothing he can do but read a book because they're going to take <laughs> care of everything. Yeah, they are certainly a great team. Yeah, they were a great team. Oh, my goodness, yes. And uh, Paul E., I mean, that uh, that whole beginning of that dangerous alliance that was uh, really prominent in 92 and him forming it and managing Bobby, which uh, I'm sure got to Cornette a little bit because there was that rivalry between them uh, mm-hmm. behind the scenes and then real life as they say uh and then Arn, of course you know what a tremendous performer uh but uh that was a great faction that was a really it great really faction. was it's see they had rude they had uh bobby and Arn, medusa uh, medusa i mean and more people too it was really didn't austin go into that too i Steve just austin? i think briefly yeah i think for a little while yeah and it was terrific uh, paul paul's a terrific manager he always has been i mean um that was probably his prime, I would think. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, uh, that Dangerous Alliance was great. It was hot, and you know, he was coming into his own after everything that Paul had gone through uh, in and out of WCW, and uh, you know, the, the all the problems that he had. But yeah, he was he was hitting stride, uh, and it was uh, interesting times. I remember uh, in our newsletter that I published with Russo. Uh, that we had a cover story with uh, the Dangerous Alliance on it. But uh, we'll get to that in 1992. Very interesting. This is all new to me, so I'm looking forward to that. Yes, indeed. So uh, Jimmy Cornette, uh, always a great guest and a little subdued on this appearance, it seems. You know, he wasn't yelling or screaming or anything like that. by his standards, I would have to say you're right. But uh, I I think even Cobb Cornette is quite the, uh, quite the, um, how do I put this? Verbose gentleman. Yes. Very quick on his feet. Never at a loss for words. Always with a quick answer or or a quick response to any question, comment, or flub that you would make on the air. Well, basically, this next segment kind of, you know, emphasizes what you just said because he takes some calls now. 
You know, mm-hmm. calls were such an important part of the show back then. Oh, yeah. And we, he begins with a youngster who gets things off to kind of a weird start. And then joining them at the studio at this point is the very underrated and really tremendous Sonny Beach, who I have nothing but pure admiration for, for his years in wrestling. And the same gets enjoyably chaotic, we'll put it this way. And, and somehow a legendary Japanese wrestler comes into the studio, I, I think. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure. But this is there's a lot of hilarity in this clip. Should we go to it? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to get on the phone and take some calls for Jim Cornette. And uh, let's get on the phone first with Doug from Massapequa. Doug, are you there? Hi. Um, my name's Doug Wayne. You sound like Mr. Bill. Uh, oh, so how are you doing? Okay, what can we do for you, Doug? Oh, I would just like to say to the whole world about Big Van Vader. Yeah. He's a phony. Okay. You know, um, ever have this guy called Blind the Bad? No. He, he, see, he was new, though. But well, you know, we have a guest here today, Brian. <laughs> Doug, Doug, I just hung up on him. Fans, that's what helium will do for you. Exactly <laughs> right. This is your brain. This is your brain on helium. Hi. Sound like Mr. Bill, didn't he? Uh, Let's get back on the phones here with uh, Frank from Staten Island. Hi, hi, John. Frank, how'd you get? Did you get through okay? Because we usually we haven't gotten any calls from Staten Island in quite some time. They haven't been able to get through. Yeah, I listen pretty good. It's coming in good. Well, you're, you're, when you dialed into the show, you had no problem getting through to us. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not in Staten Island right now. Oh, that's that could be. That could I'm explain from it. Staten Island, but I'm in the Bronx. Okay. Yeah, what can uh, we do for you, Frank? I think you got a great show, Jim Cornette. You're one of the best managers in wrestling. I think you're the greatest. Thank um, you, Frank. I just like to make a comment on uh, Bruno Sammartino. I just finally got a chance to talk to you about all his WWF bad mouthing. Yeah. Um, I don't think that like even though most of the things he says is like true, that he has the right to go around and badmouth the company that was responsible for him making a living. Well, Bruno was responsible for keeping the WWF afloat for many, many years as well. Oh, I know that you know it was Vince Sr. and not Vince Jr. that was in charge and stuff, but I mean, he's also trying to say that like wrestling in his time was realer than today. I think I don't know. I just think that it's wrong, and I think his comments are just really like sour grapes. Mm-hmm. You know. You have any questions for Mr. Cornette? Um, John, uh, Jim, I I just like to say that uh, I really think you're able to prove that you don't have to be in the WWF or the WCW to be happy. You know. I think I met you in... As a matter of fact, it, it considerably helps being happy if you're not in WCW or the WWF. I hear you on that one. I remember I met you in uh, Queens at the big convention. You were a really nice guy to talk to. Um, you know, I heard I heard a rumor that maybe if Jim Hurd leaves, that maybe you'd be, maybe think about going back to WCW and maybe reunite the Midnight Express. Any uh, word on that? Well, I, I would dearly love to reunite the Midnight Express, but I, I, I just can't. Ever, ever, and I mean never say never, but in this case, never. I will say I will never work for WCW as long as it's affiliated with TBS, whether Jim Hurd's around or not. I just think the whole bunch of them are out of their minds. Right. Uh, John, just one last question before I go. Uh, do you know where Freebird Buddy Roberts is? Uh, no, I don't. Jim, Chicago. do you know? Chi- Chicago? He lives in Chicago. But he last works. At... Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks for your call. Bye-bye. We're joined in studio here by uh, someone who just uh, came back from Japan, now trying to assemble the headsets, which he just crushed. Jushin Liger? Jushin Liger is here with us. Watch out for the moonsault. Konnichiwa. It's Sunny Beach. Sunny, sunny Beach. How are you? Life is a beach. How are you, Jim? <laughs> Not too bad. You look like you got a suntan over there. Land, <laughs> land of the rising sun, or is it a lot of stiff chops, or what? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back on the phones. Uh, Jack from Queens, you're next. Hello. Jack. Yeah, how you doing? Okay. Uh, is this Cactus Jack? 
there? Yeah, he's in. Uh, he's with Sunny Beach. He's carrying Sunny's bags. You know, cause I saw anything you know, say that that Jushin Liger is. I saw him, you know, yesterday on the WCW, you know, in a full match, and I think he's like, he's, I think he's like, you know, one of the best out there now. First time you ever seen him? Yeah, first time. You know, I was, I was amazed the way he's like, you know, jumping off the thing, off the ropes, you know, like you know, you know, when he jumped onto the thing, onto the, you know, the fence. Mm-hmm. Do you have a question for Jushin? Yeah. Oh, is he there? Yes. Yeah. Alright, so are you gonna win the belt, you know, from 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 Brian Brian Pillman, or is that you know just to, uh, I don't know, what's the way with that? Hi. <laughs> that, that means yes. Uh, he, he will win the belt from Brian. Uh, Height means yes. Speaks very limited English. Uh, anyway. Actually, well, Sunny Beach is translating for him. Uh, anyway, so change the subject. Uh, is that true that why Piper is like special guest? Is it going to be, um, you know, is going to be Andre Giant at the at the Royal Rumble? Because I just, you know, I like, you know, heard that thing recently. Andre Giant's going to be a special guest at Royal Rumble? Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard it's going to be either Andre uh, or I don't know. Andre. I don't know. John? Yeah. You know who I think the special guest is going to be? Uh, the special guest referee for the Royal Rumble? I don't know. I can't wait to hear it. Terry Anderson. The hostage? I, I think that's what Vince McMahon will probably do. That's not an official prediction, you understand. That's just a preliminary. I'm getting these He's waves. He's got the hotline from uh, Stanford, Connecticut into his house. <laughs> uh, and Jack. Yeah. Any other questions for Jushin? For Jushin? No, but I don't Or Jim. Say <laughs> so what? Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Warrior. Yes. You know, what's his, like, you know, his like, a new name going to be in the WCW? Ultimate Warrior? I don't know. You know I, How about Anabolic Warrior? I don't know it's going to be like Indigo Warrior or something. Indigo Warrior. <laughs> uh, how about Magic Warrior? How about Magic Wand? And one last one before I go. Like Popeil. Uh, one last one. And I remember you know, about like six years ago, I heard a rumor that Superfly you know, killed his wife. Is that, is it, is that true? <laughs> or, you know, or mumbo-jumbo. Well, actually, that, that was true because uh, the Fiji Islands, you know, they allow you to have up to six wives. Yeah. And he, he accidentally miscounted one night because he's, he's not too bright. He ended up with seven, so he bumped one <laughs> off the cliff. Uh, John? Uh, Thanks for your call, Jack. John, a couple of years yeah. ago in Salina, New York, right outside of Syracuse. Where's was, that? There was some incident outside of Syracuse several years ago with a snooker in a motel, and there was a woman found dead in his room. Well, wasn't that Nancy Spungen? Nancy Spungen. Oh, I'm sorry. That was Sid Vicious's wife. Wow. What scoops yeah. are you getting here today, folks? <laughs> Would you control Jushin over there? He's climbing the walls here. He's trying to... Just grab a hold of one of those horns on his mask. John, try to get me an autographed picture of Jushin, okay? Okay. All right. Sonny, can you take care of that for us? Hi. <laughs> okay, let's go to Pat from Massapequa. Pat, you're next. Yeah, hi. Thanks Thanks a lot, John. I'd first like to say I love your show. I love all the guests. And James E. Cornette is a, a gas. And I wonder no, that's Jumping Jack Flash. <laughs> how big was that guy you grabbed by the dad gum collar? Um, well, the dead gum guy, he was... <laughs> I don't know. It was it was hard to tell if he'd have taken a bath. He'd have lost about forty pounds. He was an average sized uh, average sized swamp dweller. Uh, I I I don't know if you're still plugged into the WCW, but maybe you can get that big uh, big uh, fat half breed to change his name to PNN News, and he can wrestle twenty four hours a day. Maybe he can lose some weight. That's a good. That's great, Pat. We'll write that down for lines of the week. Breaking new ground here today, folks. B N N news. Bafo comedy. Uh, John, I was. Wrestling. This has been driving me crazy. Yes. You know how uh, Cactus Jack has got like the leopard boots. Yeah. And 
There was a guy who was in the WWF back when you wrestled. He was from somewhere in Pennsylvania, some weird town. And he used to wear boots like that. He was like a, you know, professional loser. John, I know who that is. Go ahead, Donnie, that Mr. Was, Trivia. That was Dave Barbie from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Yes, yes, that's it. Thank you. Any relation oh, you to know, Klaus? I've been meaning to ask about this King of Prussia thing. <laughs> now, now, America is a democracy. We did away with the monarchy 200 years ago. What in the world is somebody doing proclaiming themselves the King of Prussia, Pennsylvania? Well, that was, they brought it over from the Why Not Republic. Well, there is no place for that in America today. This is a democracy. One man, one vote, all that type of thing. <laughs> How I think we, need to, we need to have a federal investigation of this King of Prussia fellow. <laughs> okay, thanks for your call, Pat. Thanks a lot. I love the show, John. Thank you. Okay, 955-1240 is your number to call if you'd like to get on the air with us. 955-1240. John, did you ever have the feeling you've just lost total control? I, I enjoy that sometimes. I hate being in control. Oh, oh, I see. That's <laughs> uh, mm. my uh, decongestion that I've taken earlier today. Is fogging my head up. We got a call coming in from Memphis, Tennessee. That's what it says on my computer. Shall well, we see I who it is? What? Let's have two guesses who it is. Who could it be? First one don't count. Okay. We're going to punch it up right now. Memphis. Hello? Memphis. Hi. Who is this? This is Lynn from Memphis. I'm visiting New Jersey right now. I'm visiting some family. Well, hell, my first and second guess both would have been wrong. Yep. How you doing, Lynn? I'm fine. How are you? First time, uh, yeah, I guess you'd listen to this illustrious well, program. Yes, I visit up here in New Jersey, and I have family who listen to you, and they say you're you're really good, so I figured I'd take a listen. Well, thank you. Uh, where, what part of Jersey are you calling from via Memphis? Right now in Oldbridge. Oldbridge? Central. Okay. Okay, Jim, I have a question for you. Yes. Okay, I know you're really, um, your opinions are strong, and you know what you're talking about in the wrestling business. I was just wondering, I'm about to send in my year-end ballots for the Observer newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just wondering, I, I'm kind of stuck on these two categories. I'm stuck on the Rookie of the Year, and I'm stuck on the Underrated Wrestler of the Year. Now, the Rookie of the Year, I'm kind of torn between Chris Candido and Sabu. Who do you think is better? Well, I tell you what, uh, I have seen Candido, and I think he's super. I have not seen Sabu actually wrestle as of yet, but uh, so I'm not as informed as one would think that I would be on this situation, but I, I know Candido's a, a heck of a wrestler, so I would vote for him, but, you know, hey, like I said, I haven't seen the other guy. Okay, that's good. That's what I was thinking of. And what about underrated wrestler? I'm kind of torn between Tom Pritchard and Danny Davis, because I think they're both awesome, and no one gives them enough credit. I say vote for a tie. I love both them guys. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, Boy, am I a diplomat or what? You're a diplomat, Jim. Any <laughs> questions for Jushin Thunder Riger or Sunny Beach? Huh? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Jushin Thunder Liger or Sunny Beach? Liger. Liger? Yeah. Yeah, ask him a question. He's right he's here listening. He's not there. Sure he is. No, he's not. Jushin, are you there? Hi. This just goes to show you that people from Tennessee are not as stupid as people from New Jersey. Because <laughs> the other guy fell for it. She wouldn't. <laughs> well, I hope you have a, a good trip here, Lynn, and uh, thank you for calling in. Well, thank you. Okay, take care now. Bye-bye. Okay, 955-1240. And uh, while we're here with Sunny Beach as well, Sonny, welcome back from the land of the rising sun. Thank you. It's great to be back. How was the, uh, how was the tour over there? Very exciting. We've read your name in all the sheets uh, that you're in this big tag team tournament, sellouts every single night, and uh, 
Must have been a good time for you. Oh, it was a great time. I learned a lot over there and uh, met a lot of nice people. So hopefully a return trip may be in store as well? Yes, definite. Uh, sometime in March they're talking. That's great. I, I know I speak for all of, of uh, the people that know Sonny here and saying that we hope he goes back to Japan as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Okay, we're going to take some more calls. for. If you have any questions also for Sonny Beach regarding uh, uh, his great tour of Japan and that big tag team tournament, when did that finish up, by the way? It finished up uh, Friday night, so the 6th. Wow, so you are uh, must be jet-lagged as all <laughs> Pretty much. <clears throat> we're going to take some calls for Sonny and Jim, and uh, we're having a very loose formatted show today. So because, to speak. Because we're trying to forget what happened the last week, Survivor Series, and this Tuesday in Texas, which... Probably the worst two pay-per-views I think I've ever seen. Uh, Jim, did you see any of those? Uh, no, I didn't. I did not see anything yet. Uh, hopefully somebody will give me a free tape. You forgot Beach Brawl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well, even... uh, I did get a free tape of Beach Brawl, and you mentioned... I made the guy that gave it to uh, me pay me money. Two new lawsuits. You mentioned the name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let this little Hitler file a suit against me. What the heck do I care? I heard you know, David, I David Dukes' is new booker. Me. Let's talk about him for a second. David Dukes is his new booker? That's oh, of course. I, heard. I mean, who does this guy think he is anyway? He can't run a business, so he wants to sue everybody else. Anybody that with half a mind could have predicted from the from the uh, onset of this thing that this guy didn't know what he was talking about, and now he's going around sour grapes with everybody just because they're telling the truth about him. Well, Jim, Jim, you you're really putting yourself in hot water right now. <laughs> John, speaking at a WWF, uh, the uh, the Xerox machine is off and running right now in California. <laughs> the form letter, it's like, dear. Bl I want to call for a boycott of the China Club. For all the Pro Wrestling Spotlight listeners, don't go to the China Club. Send out an economic message to them that they cannot deny that we will not tolerate the Nature Boy, the real world heavyweight champion, being treated in such a manner. Hear, hear. Thank you. Hi, hi. <laughs> Thank you, Jushin. So we're, uh, we're going to institute the boycott of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight listeners from the China Club due to the ejection of Nature Boy Ric Flair. We'll get in more with the Ric Flair thing in the next segment, but that may have been one of the most freewheeling segments in the history of your show. It was all yeah. over the map. It was all over the place. And even when they brought up Snuka, and uh, now as everybody I, you know, knows, it was Nancy Argentina. But yeah. didn't I didn't have a clue, I don't think, 30 years ago what, I, what happened. I cringed when I heard this clip. Yeah. Because it's not something you joke about. No, you know, it, and it's was it was it a, was it was it well known back then, or was it you know, or was it not uncovered at that point? I'm not well, sure. Don, Donnie seemed to know about it. Um, it, it I, you yeah, know, Donnie did bring it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank at the reaction. I'm drawing a blank about. Um, the fact that it was brought up at all, I just, mm -hmm. it was very, uh, a little unnerving to hear that. It was. You know, just a little yeah. bit. It was. But again, it, for me, maybe it was a lot. Yeah. It, I, I think everybody thought it was a gag. I think that yeah. the listener, or, or not, the, not the guy who asked the question, but I think that everybody else thought it was a, a rib or something, hmm. you know? And obviously it was not, as history has shown. Oh, absolutely. But well, there, let, was a, there was a lot there, talk. yeah. But let's talk about something a little bit different, a little bit more whimsical. Throughout this show, I hear a female mm. voice laughing throughout the program. Yeah, I hear it too. Who was that? I don't know. Was there anybody in the studio? Know. I don't remember. Wow. 
Okay. I don't know. If I was, thought uh, we were going to get a, get a scoop here, but um, no, it, it sounded like uh, uh, Mick Foley's uh, fiance, uh, but she wasn't there because he wasn't on the show. Uh, Colette, I mean, she had that same type of laugh I, as I remember, but I was racking my brain listening back to it on who it could have been, and I have no idea who it could have been. Were there any assistants or workers at the at the studio? Maybe. Uh, typically. Um, you know, they're in the control room, but uh, I, I was always known to have people in the studio if a fan wanted to come in or hang out. Uh, so I, I don't know because I didn't reference anyone sitting in the studio. I don't believe I did. And that voice uh, kept coming and laughing and I don't know who it was. So I, I apologize. I just don't. Oh, that's don't okay. It, did, it obviously didn't hurt. It added a little bit of an audience reaction to uh, some yeah. of the quips that uh, Mr. Cornette was making. So I, I, yeah. I, so we have a mystery woman. I wonder if she's out there somewhere listening to these podcasts. I don't know. If don't she is, was, I don't think it was Russo's wife. No, if if, if he was there, if she's listening, get a hold, get a hold of us. I'd like to know who that was, just for just for the fun of it, to see if uh, yeah, that person has good memories of the show, mm-hmm. like we do. Yes, yes. But uh, Cornette always entertaining, Bob. Yes, and now the wackiness is going to continue, even with Wade Keller joining the program at this at this stage. Um, and the <laughs> they take more phone calls, including one from the president of Hulk Hogan Vitamins, who talks about the alleged, which we just touched on before, an alleged Ric Flair Nasty Boys incident at the China Club. Do you remember this happening? Uh, I do remember uh, that there was a skirmish at the China Club that Flair was involved with and, uh, you know, it was a hot story for a few days and then it kind of went away. Yep, I had I got the feeling that was just about. But uh, this is pretty funny as uh, Wade Keller joins the fray. Wade Keller from the Pro Wrestling Torch. Wade, are you there? Sure am. And you're here with Jim Cornette and Sonny Beach and Juice and Duck. to be on with Jim. Say what? You didn't tell me I had to be on with Jim. Well, we wanted to save it as a surprise, Boy Wonder. <laughs> That's our Christmas gift to you, Wade. Well, Wade, do you have a question for Jushin Thunder Liger? In the He's studio? here in the studio with us. Yeah, uh, um, I'd like to know what his, what his favorite brand of chocolate chip cookies are. Chips Ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> he said Chips Ahoy. Yeah, I, I Japanese that. for Chips Ahoy. Chips Ahoy. <laughs> That's That's all I've got. Pretty funny. Let's go back on the lines right now. We're going to go Vernon from Fresh Meadows. Hi, John. Yes. Listen, um, I just have a question for you, and I want to say hello to Jim. Go right ahead. Uh, why is most of the wrestling promotions in Japan? You know, you don't hear too much about the other countries. Uh, you know, mostly Japan. I'm just, I've always been curious about that. Repeat the question. Okay. Why are most of the wrestling promotions are in Japan? And you rather hear, you never hear about other countries like... England, France, you know, Germany. Well, there's not very much uh, in England. I know there are some independent promoters that run in Germany as well. Uh, but Japan is the hotbed of pro wrestling. Uh-huh. Uh, they have the top talent there. Uh, it's well respected in uh-huh. Japan. It's treated as a as a major sport uh-huh. uh, there. Sonny, you can uh, you know tell tell uh, tell Vernon what uh, what went down when you were in Japan. You know how do they respect wrestling there. over there the, the buildings are sold out like the first or second day when they put tickets on it's like an honor to go to these matches the events uh the fans treat everybody like royalty over there oh um, i see it's it's not like in the states where you know you gotta like with the promoters too you know they're very honorable over there and they're not going to stip you for any money or back oh. you out on any dates and stuff like that so it's a pleasure to work over there and oh. i had a great time 
Oh, that's good. Okay, I was always curious about that. Can I say hello to Jim? Yes, you can. You already have. Hey, Jim, listen. I'm the guy. I saw you in August uh, at the Ramada. I'm the guy from Kentucky. You remember me? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, I just called to say hello. You're a great guy, a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for your call, Vernon. Right Bye-bye. Okay, 955-1240. Let's go to Gary from Staten Island. How you doing, Johnny? Gary, Gary Moisson. Yes, sir. How you doing, Gary? Back, back home from the holidays from Las Vegas, Nevada, my hometown. Now, <laughs> listen, uh, before I get to Jimmy, I wanted to mention that uh, your good friend Herb Abrams, along with Bruno, uh, John Polis, and uh, were shooting a commercial. I would, and uh, Bruno and, and Lou Albano were shooting a commercial this week in Las Vegas. I don't know what they were doing there. And you can bet they probably stopped in the casinos, and Herbie probably got some IOUs while he was there, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, Jimmy. Yes. Can you hear me, my man? Yes, I can. I'm uh, going to send my regards from a guy you know in uh, Vegas, Rick Carter. Yes, hey, I, I talked to him just this past week. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, listen, wanted to mention, uh, will myself and uh, Lillian Allison be seeing you uh, in June for the LPWA convention? I mean, the LIWA convention. Uh, oh. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute, they threw a new one in on me. Uh, yeah, next June, you mean? Obviously, you don't mean last June. Uh, if, if I can make it, hey, I'll go anywhere. <laughs> okay. Listen, you mentioned about uh, Wendy Richter getting back into LPWA. Right. I know Wendy, uh, what she does when she's not working is she uh, works at a, a real estate office down in Crystal River, Florida, and I guess uh, she hasn't been selling too much property since she got back on the... Uh, on the wrestling awards, what do you think she'll do in LPWA? Think she'll wrestle full time, and uh, how successful do you think she'll be? Well, you know, I'm I'm sure that she can uh, juggle both careers because right now the LPWA is just doing television. A lot of the girls, you know, take tours to uh, to Japan, and I know that uh, Lady X and some of the other girls are going to Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, it's basically it's a thing where you can uh, wrestle as often or as little as you want. And uh, so I think she could probably do uh, do both successfully, and I think she's going to do great in the LPWA because uh, she's one of the better uh, women wrestlers in the world right now. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as you know, will uh, Judy Martin and Patty Schroeder be back? Um, who? Leilani <laughs> Kai. Leilani Kai and Judy Martin. Um, yeah, yeah, they uh, they are the uh, LPWA tag team champions. Okay. Okay. Listen, Gary, we got to run. Take some more calls. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your call. Thanks. 955-1240 is the number to call here. We're here with uh, Jim Cornette via Charlotte, North Carolina, Sunny Beach via Japan, and Wade Keller via Snowland, Minnesota. You know, I feel like I'm on one of these 976 gab numbers with all these people on the phone. It's a party line. Wade, are you there? Sure am. Okay. Uh, Wade, how does it feel to hang on the phone and not speak? Um, that's what I thought. <laughs> We're gonna get. We got a call coming in. Barry Ross, the president of Hulk Hogan Vitamins, on the line. What? Yes, Barry Ross, president of Hulk Hogan Vitamins. Barry, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, John. How are you today, sir? Okay, I'm very well. I was just driving in the car, uh, going out to get a bite to eat, when I heard you talking about the fight at the China Club. Were you there? I certainly was. I was sitting at the table. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, what can you tell us about it? I just it? want to clear up one thing. It was in the VIP room. It was not in the main room. Okay. And it just got a little bit out of hand. Ric Flair was uh, a little bit obnoxious, and uh, words were exchanged. And now, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, Paulie, are you there? That's wait Jim Cornette. Oh, Jim? Guy, wait a minute. He just called you Paulie. Uh, I, I thought it was Paulie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank God I'm not next to him in traffic. 
Wait a minute, this guy is the president of Hulk Hogan Vitamins. He's against Ric Flair. He said Ric Flair was obnoxious against the nasty boys. No, you know, let's, that's put, like, let, let's put it this way. I, I, I happened to be at the table with everybody, and we were sitting and having a couple of beers, and I'm an impartial observer in this, uh, other than the fact that I got an elbow in the chest. Uh, uh, Ric Flair uh, had been sitting at another table. He had sent over a bottle of champagne to our table, we acknowledged it. As he was leaving, he came over and exchanged some words with one of the nasty boys, and things got a little bit out of hand. I happened to be um, uh, with Hulk Hogan the whole night. We had dinner at Planet Hollywood, and then we went to the China Club. Now, what was the bone of contention between Flair and the nasty boys? Uh, it seemed that there had been uh, words had been exchanged earlier in the evening between one of the nasty boys and the chauffeur that had driven Ric Flair around. And Ric Flair had risen to the defense of the chauffeur uh -huh. against the nasty boys. Uh-huh. I rest my case. So um, uh, it just got a little bit out of hand. There was a pushing and shoving, um, and then words were exchanged. And uh, it, I can assure you that uh, the I, I went over and I uh, settled it with the uh, owners of the uh, China Club, and uh, everybody was peaceful, and, uh, and we are uh, most welcome guests at the China Club. Okay, we appreciate you clearing that up, Barry, but uh, does anybody get the better of the brawl? Did uh, the Nature Boy uh, uh, slap on the figure four on anybody? Or? Well, what happened, Nature Boy took, I think, uh, took a couple of shots in the face, but, uh, I mean, there were, there were bouncers and, uh, and things in between, and as I said, it, it erupted uh, where I was standing, and I got an elbow in the chest. Uh, Did I you take a bump? I haven't been around a while, John. I've been in the hospital. I had uh, uh, two major surgeries of 15 inches of my large intestine removed. Whoa. So I had... Uh, for the last three months, I, I get very came, came very close to dying, so I haven't been around the scene too much. But I came back, and uh, it was my birthday, and the Hulk took me out for my birthday. And then afterwards, we met up at the China Club with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said, it was, uh, words were exchanged. Ric Flair uh, was asked kindly to leave, which he did. And uh, things settled down at that point, and uh, we, we straightened it out. And as I said, we're most welcome guests back there. Well, we appreciate you clearing that up, Aaron. We hope you're feeling okay. I'm feeling fine. I lost 60 pounds in the process. Wow. So uh, I'm, I'm back. And, well, it uh, looks like you have to get on the Hulk Hogan vitamins then. I am. I've been popping them every day, and that's how you that and three hours a day in the gym. All righty. Okay, you be good, and uh, I look forward to hopefully you seeing you soon, John. Okay, thanks, Barry. Take care. Bye. Okay, 955-1240 is the number to call. You John, hear it. John, John, John. I like that. We get the information hot off the press here at the spotlight. Right the horse's mouth. Do you see, though, if I had not come to the defense, if I had not questioned when he said Ric Flair was obnoxious, but later it turns out he was coming to the defense of his poor little 122-pound chauffeur that had been, had been bullied by the Nasty Boys, the defense rests. I brought out the real story. Isn't downtown Bruno acting as a chauffeur for Flair? Uh, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, he went right from Lawler right to straight to Flair. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. We're going to get back on the phones. You have a question for Sonny Beach, Wade Keller, Jim Cornette. We're here to talk. Where wrestling. else would you hear the president of Hulk Hogan Vitamins? That's right. On right the radio. Right here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And we are awaiting that surprise call from Mr. Herb Abrams coming in any minute here at the show. Jeff from Farmingdale, you'll be next. Uh, yeah, let me go around the, the dial as we should today. Uh, first, I want to ask uh, Sonny what his uh, best match was over in Japan. Uh, it was against Masawa and Kawada. We had a really good match over there. We went about 25 minutes. Uh, Masawa pinned me a submission hold, but uh, action was great. One of my best matches of my and career. And who did you team with, Johnny Ace? Johnny Ace. Yeah, Johnny Ace. And uh, let me ask one more thing. Jim? Please, yeah. please make 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 friends with WCW and bring your 
your your your controversial personality back to the main airwaves. Well, they, they don't they here, don't hear controversy. They want uh, they want Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble. Yeah, but they, they got to take what they can get, and, and <laughs> people want you, so they better get you. I appreciate the thought. And uh, let me get one more off here, uh, John. You, you, you paisans really stick up, huh? No one can say wrong about Bruno, can they? Well, you know, I've—he's uh, been an idol when I was growing up. Bruno was outspoken. Um, you know, he's got his own opinion on a lot of things, including the way wrestling was when he was back as champion. But uh, you know, I respect Bruno San Martino. I always have, and I always will. And uh, he may be outspoken at times, but. Uh, uh, I'm not going to tell him to shut his mouth either. If he, he feels a certain way, hey, this is America, it's free speech, let him say what he wants. Yeah, but you can run something into the ground, you know? <clears throat> well, he's just trying to make his points across, and uh, uh, I'm not going to, going to uh, you know, put him down for doing that. All right, thanks a lot. It's a good show going, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Okay, 955-1240 is the number to call here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. we got one open line. and uh, Wait, I wanted to get into something with you a little bit. We were talking on a phone uh, the other day, and uh, we were talking about the recent uh, WWF shows, and uh, very, very disappointing, and uh, we were kind of talking about the way the WWF has been <clears throat> pretty much grasping for straws as far as different types of angles to keep the people entertained, and they're getting really hardcore, especially with this Randy Savage situation, and uh, I wanted to get your opinion on what's been going on, and uh, after that, if any of you guys want to jump in, feel free. I just think it's a, it's a, it's a sign with... Of, of, I guess when you look at the WWF and you see the angles that they've done in the past, they're so calculated and, and, and long drawn out and hints are dropped and then it then the angle occurs and then the match comes off and there's a payoff. And recently it's, it's turned into one hot shot angle after another that, that I mean, they're just hot shotting the territory until it's going to die. Um, I mean, that's, that's the feeling I get is that pretty six months from now nothing will mean anything. Because in down times, they decided to try to, um, you know, reach into their bag of tricks. Except people are going to be so used to snake bites and women getting hit and death threats and coffin incidents and being locked in the room with a bunch of snakes and all these, all these heavy-handed, hot-shot, hardcore angles that nothing's going to mean anything anymore. So I think it's a real sign that the WWF has a certain sense of uh, desperacy to try to make this work and... and it should have been the last thing they have to do right now because acquiring Ric Flair and building him up slowly and gradually, gradually like they have every other competitor that's ever entered, I think would have been much more effective. But certainly treating Ric Flair the way they have and turning him into just another one of the boys, another one of the WWF performers, has been something I didn't even think could be done by uh, Jim Hurd if he ran the WWF. And somehow they've turned Ric Flair into just another wrestler. Um, it, it, it just astounds me how, one, how, they've, how I think they've poorly mishandled Ric Flair, and it astounds me, too, how as a result of that they've had to hotshot the territory. Jim, you want to uh, give your opinions on uh, Wade's comments? Well, I tell you, I think uh, the situation is like, it's like nuclear disarmament, okay? If every promotion would just say, hey, we're going to get away from all this bull malarkey and all these snakes and all this other stuff, uh, at the same time, then it would work. But obviously nobody can cooperate with each other, so everybody figures they have to top one another. So it's kind of like a no-win situation. you got to do more than the other guy's doing, 
But in the end, all that results in is nobody caring about anything. So weight is exactly right, but it's not as easy to stop as one would think. And I'm not defending WWF, WCW, or anybody else. But uh, you can't stop and the other guy keep going because then you just look boring while they look exciting. See what I'm saying? Right. So even... uh, you know, even short term, unless Vince just said, okay, I'm just going to pull a plug on all this stuff and I'm just going to have wrestling and let the other guys do what they want and maybe we'll lose some viewers, but they'll burn themselves out and in a year and a half or two years, then we'll start back up again. But, you know, you don't want to lose two years worth of revenue. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's a no-win situation. A lot of tomfoolery, but I'll tell you what, a lot of meat in that final conversation there, John. Oh, there certainly was with uh, Wade uh, and the caller, you know, talking about the hardcore angles that were taking place. And I believe they were referring to what was it? The snake bite on snake uh, bite. Yeah, that was horrific. You know, it, it was an odd period. I remember. Uh, they seemed so desperate. The WWF did at that point. I mean, yeah. with, with the snake bite with, with I think there was a bit with nails beating up the big boss man. Mm-hmm. There was it, in a really horrible, like five minute beating that it looked like he was really hurting him on the regular syndicated program. And it was like, it just felt like they made a, such a drastic right turn from the family oriented, get your ice cream bars federation to these really serious looking violent, scenarios that were jarring i'm sure to a lot of the family audience they seem to be going after at that point yeah it certainly was and because at that time they were still marketing very heavily to the kids and to have uh you know one of the beloved wrestling figures randy savage and miss elizabeth and getting tied up in the ropes and having jake uh, unleash a uh, a snake and with the graphic biting uh, Alex, you're shaking your head. Did you ever see that angle? I mean, that was just that was oh, horrific. Yes. I've seen that so many times. I remember the first time I saw it coming from somebody who's like watched the more PG era of wrestling. Mm-hmm. That was very shocking to say the least. That was hardcore. Yeah. Very hardcore. I still don't know how they pulled it off. Did Me you? I, I have no idea how they pulled that one off. Because he was it, getting bit. Yeah, and it was gnawing on his arm for like what yeah. felt like forever. It was yeah. probably only like a minute, but still, I mean. I remember listening to um, Jericho's podcast, and I think Jake the Snake was on it, and he was talking about it, talking about like leading up to him actually getting bit. And I, I from what I understand, they removed the poison from the snake, and but he actually did get bit, and I – I think he actually said Macho Man was the one that said, no, let the thing bite me. Like, let it be that hardcore because that was the type of person that he was. Um, but I was thankful to hear that they actually took the poison out of the snake. Like, right. They de-venomized it. Devenomized yeah. it. Yeah. That's what I had heard. But still, I mean. You, That's you still dangerous. See, you could still, the blo- you could see the bloody gash in his arm. Yeah. Which was so thing. unlike everything they were doing at that point. Yeah. Um, I, I had gotten reports that a certain uh, and I don't know how true this was at the time, but someone had called me at the offices and said an upstate New York um, TV station wanted to pull the show because of that. Because yeah, they wanted even even though on the, the syndicated shows they put the censored red X like Blassie used to have up. Mm-hmm. They did. They did that. They brought back the Blassie X for the syndicated shows, but yeah. the the pro the uh, programmer was so upset over the content 
that they were really considering what they were doing in the time slot. Because in a, in a lot of um, a lot of places, wrestling was shown at eleven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, like right, right so, after cartoons. So that made sense to put the X there, and then for prime time, which was Monday right, night, that's where they showed it on. That's where they showed exactly it uncensored. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting mm-hmm. I stuff. That, and, they handled uh, that. Yeah, interesting calls too, and the um, the China Club uh, incident, and the and you know the whole Coke and vitamin guy, and you know, <laughs> losing all those intestines, and and then even uh, you know going back to uh, Moolah's, um, uh, well the guy uh, uh, the guy that was involved with the LPWA or whatever it was, and that guy was always calling up to get a little extra rub and and to promote uh, what was going on and. And then he disparaged Wendy Richter, saying she wasn't selling enough real estate. And everybody, uh, knows, every, everybody knows the relationship that Wendy had with uh, Mula, which was not uh, good. right. Well, Wendy, Wendy set herself apart, and she was really all-time yeah. great, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I worked with her uh, on an overseas tour against Medusa, and Wendy was just fabulous. She what a professional, and what a person who had a lot of passion for what she was doing in the ring very believable and of course she was um instrumental in uh, that rock and wrestling connection in 1984 oh, yeah. with um uh, that whole cindy lopper thing i i think that from the minute wendy richter showed up with cindy lopper she changed women's wrestling forever she had so much yeah. more charisma than most of those performers and i'm not putting down women's wrestling of that era she was different First of yeah, all, she was tall. First of all, she was tall. It didn't seem like any mm-hmm. of the, uh, the female competitors were tall at that point. She was tall. She, she was. She hovered over virtually all, all the other opponents. She was athletic, um, very appealing, and I, I think she helped put women's wrestling on the map on the course that it is today. You know, yeah. I, I really think she's underrated she, in that regard. And she didn't get her due. I mean, she didn't get the money right. the guys were getting. And then, you know, then you talk, everyone talks about the Montreal screw job. What about the screw job that happened to Wendy? And exactly. She didn't, even, she didn't even know she was going to lose the title. And Moolah's under the hood. And if you ever really want to see a shoot, uh, go watch that match from Madison oh, yeah. Square Garden when Wendy loses the title and she's shocked. And, uh, uh, you know, it was just it was it was something that to this day, when I look at it, I feel really bad for her because she um, she did elevate women's wrestling. Mula was older and she was, you know, had the title for 20 something, 30 years, whatever it had been. And Wendy brought a fresh face to it. Uh, so that's why even hearing these comments from this dude uh, who said she wasn't selling enough real estate. Hey, listen, she was trying to make a living. And uh, to this day. Wendy Richter is one of my favorite people in the wrestling business. Wow. I had no idea about that, but I will say this. I've never met her, but I will say this. She changed things. She really did. She's her influence is so vast because, uh, you know, women's wrestling was booked with, I hate to say this midget wrestling in, in a lot of places. Yeah. Special Special attraction. attraction. Exactly. We said it at the same time, but that's what it was like trying to draw a different crowd into the, into the arenas. And uh, she changed all that just from the minute she showed up. And, you know, they handled that very well with Cindy Lauper. I, 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 that's one of the few things the old emerging national WWF did right, I think. I think mm-hmm. that was perfect angle. You know, the, the, the thing on MTV with Lou Albano and Roddy Piper and everybody else. Brought me perfect. back in. I had, perfect. I, I had stopped watching uh, in, the, um, in the, you know, like two – 1982, 1983, 
Uh, I was you involved. stopped watching wrestling? Oh my goodness, yeah. I hadn't watched it for three years. Really? Yeah. What caused what? that? Uh, it was basically uh, after um, uh, you know the two few matches that I worked, and then not um, being able to get press credentials uh, because I, you know, jobbed on TV, and and then I and then I really just kind of lost focus on it. I mean, I graduated college and I wanted to start my career and I wasn't going to be in wrestling. And I uh, got a job in the minor leagues for the Mets and moved down to North Carolina. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't watching it. The only matches that I saw uh, during that time period is when George Napolitano would call me up and, hey, could you go to the Charlotte Coliseum and cover the matches for me? And and uh, so I, I, I covered about a handful of matches for George back in the in the Carolinas in the um, in the early 80s. But I wasn't watching it on TV. I didn't know what was going on. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, I was in the music business. I was managing some bands in the Carolinas. And when the rock and wrestling thing happened, MTV was so hot. And when I saw wrestling on MTV, it just kind of drew me back in. And like, you know, immediately I, I just jumped back in and I just watched, started watching again because of the rock and wrestling connection because of Cindy Lauper, uh, who was such a uh, breakthrough performer uh, then and uh, seeing that whole angle with Captain Lou Albano and then boom, the cable television exploded and I started watching Tuesday Night Titans, mm-hmm. uh, that talk show, that campy talk show that they did, which I found so entertaining because it was unlike anything I'd ever seen in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it led to uh, WrestleMania 1, uh, which was not on pay-per-view. There was no pay-per-view. It was in closed circuit in the theaters all right. around. And right. and I didn't even see uh, WrestleMania 1 until the videotape came out. Same for me. Same for yeah. me. I never saw it until the video came out. But, it, you know, we talk about the emergence of the WWF as a national powerhouse. You got to admit. They did a lot of stuff right to make themselves one in the beginning. And that mm-hmm. the rock and wrestling connection was flawless. It really yeah. was. They yeah, may but- have stuck with it a little bit too long. Like, you know, uh, Cindy Lauper's manager with the free birds and stuff like that didn't work. And, you know, mm-hmm. things that, you know, they, they kind of milked it a little bit longer than maybe they should have. But I think that that initial hit, the thing that led to WrestleManias and all that stuff. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, painting, it was great. It was it was incredible. It was a great thing, uh, but of course, it le- also led to the downfall of the territories in yes. a lot of ways because that's when Vince decided which, to take over. And and before you know it, I mean, you know, there's no territories anymore. So it was great, but it was also sad in a lot of ways. But uh, I agree because I was the biggest fan of the territories you'll ever meet. I loved covering yeah. independent wrestling when I was yeah. with the magazine more than anything else. I I would rather go to a interesting Terry Funk, Bob Backlund card in a, in a high school in New Jersey mm-hmm. and go to Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I felt in that particular era when I was there. So, But uh, we have one more clip. Do you want to get to it, John? Yeah, let's do it. Let's finish up with now, Jimmy Cornette. Now, as a New Yorker, I got to take exception yeah. to uh, Jimmy's, uh, you know, his uh, comments here. You know what I'm talking about? He don't, he don't like New York. No, he's, he's not, not a big fan of New York he, or Long he Island hate, here. He hates Joyzy. You don't like New York. You don't like the people. You don't like the traffic. You don't like the grime. He's not a New Yorker. He, he don't like, like the prices. I think that's the problem. No, he's uh, he's got an aversion to up here. You know, you can't get him up here. I mean, uh, he, he just doesn't like it. He never did. 
no, and he continues on with comments. If you're listening to his podcast today, yeah. he, he's he's quick to get a jibe jibe in at New York City anytime he can. So let's. Uh, mm-hmm. the, I the, we have t- called this next clip Cornet and NYC, and let's hear what his gripes are. I understand that uh, you charge promoters a uh, a nuisance fee when you come up to New York. Is that true, Jim? Yes, that is, that is true because New York is is more annoying than anywhere else in the world. It it does automatically add add money to my fee when I have to come anywhere in the New York area. But isn't that offset by the nuisance fee you pay the promoters to put up with you? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Please, please, please. Just sit over there and listen and learn as woman said and everybody <laughs> will be okay. No, Wade, Wade is wonderful. Wade is the boy wonder of professional wrestling. When, yes, he is. When Meltzer and Arezzi and Beverly and myself and everybody are all dead and gone, Wade will have nobody to write about. And I'll still be the boy wonder. That's it. One of the finest newsletters out there today is the Pro Wrestling Torch. We're going to get back on the phones. Jim from Uniondale. Yeah, John. How you doing, Jim? I just want to say, Jim Cornette, if you, I hope you remember me from the uh, convention. If not, picture who, hey, hut, hey, hut, hey, hey. I remember you now. <laughs> it's an honor to be memorized. Thank you, sir. I just wanted to say uh, I, the comments that you had about uh, the wrestling, I always agree with you, Jim. Uh, you got to get back on the line with the honest and true stuff. No more snakes or anything like that. It's getting ridiculous. Oh, yeah, it's, it's ludicrous. It's getting harder to watch. All the, I mean, they give a, a slight storyline, then right out the window with the, uh, with the uh, animation and that. Uh, on the other hand, I just want to call and say I wanted to wish Jushin Liger good luck on uh, his match against Brian uh, Bryan because I'm going to be, I hope to be there and I want to see that one. So, uh, Jushin, you like to say something? Hi, okay. okay, Jim. Yes, thank J- you. I just wanted to say that, and Mr. Cornett, I hope to see you again someday. Thanks a lot, man. Bye bye. Thank you, Jim. That, oh, was, that was Jim too. That was Jim also. Right, I forgot Chuck. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to line four. John from Queens. Hello? Yes. Oh, hi. Um, hi, John. How are you doing, man? I'm a big fan of you. I listen to the show every week. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Uh, you know, where's Hillbilly Jim, man? Jim is listening. Hillbilly Jim? No, Hillbilly Jim. Yeah, yes, Hillbilly Jim. He's here also. He's here with me. Huh? He's hey. here with me. Hey, y'all. Uh, he, he don't wrestle anymore? He doesn't announce or anything? No, no, actually, he's... Uh, He's running a chitlin stand in Bowling Green, Kentucky. <laughs> all right, all right, Actually, he works for Coliseum Video. He does some promotional uh, appearances, helping sell WWF videos to video uh, dealers around the country. All right. Anything but, else? Yeah, um, your prediction. Starcade. You My, worried about that? The Warrior? Yeah. I don't think so. You don't think he is? No. Oh, I thought I heard your show before. Huh? Uh, hey. Sorry about that, John, but uh, we're going to go to the Black Irishman from Hicksville. Good afternoon, gentlemen. The Black Irishman, how are you? Fine, thank you, John. <clears throat> First, uh, I'd like to ask a question of Wade, the boy wonder. I wonder if he's a boy. Excuse me? Wade, uh, do you know what town in uh, frozen Minnesota, Jesse, my favorite all-time wrestler, the body Ventura, is mayor of up in uh, Minnesota? Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. What is the name of it again? Brooklyn Park. Brooklyn Park? Yeah. You don't have a zip code on that, do you? Um, you know, I don't. Why don't you just go check with the post office, Mr. Black Irishman, and you'll be able to get the zip code for Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, and uh, write a letter to the mayor, Jesse the Body. Let's go back on the lines. Tim from Eatontown, New Jersey. Tim, you're next. Hey, John. How are you today? I'm doing all right. What's happening? No, not much. I was just listening to the um, 
talk about what's been going on as far as the WWF is concerned. Mm -hmm. And uh, my comment to that is, for the past month or so, I've been having to act as uh, like uh, FCC uh, censor of my house as far as uh, wrestling goes. Starting with um, with the whole, well, starting with the steroid thing, and that's explained to my son, who's five and a half, who watches wrestling with me, that um, you know that all these guys are on drugs, or a lot of them are on drugs, and you know that how that is a bad thing, mm -hmm. as far as these guys that he you know idolizes <coughs> is concerned. And then uh, with the whole snake thing, that was scary for me to watch that. That uh, so I was you know we're just sitting there on a Saturday afternoon like we always do watching the thing, and all of a sudden boom. And it's the snake thing with the red thing across thing, and it's like, Dad, what's going on? What are they doing? So then the next day they reran it, you know, doing your show, and he usually watches that while I'm listening to your show, and I had to come out and change the channel when it came on. And your son is, is five years old, you say? Five and a half. Mm -hmm. And then the, as far as what happened on Tuesday, I was taping it for him to watch, and I couldn't even, well, I let him watch the Hulk Hogan match. Then I had to explain to him, um, you know, or he was watching, he would tell me like, Hulk Hogan cheated. But I couldn't even let him watch the mm -hmm. thing with Randy Savage. So basically you're telling us that you're screening wrestling for your... Screen, yeah, I have to screen wrestling in my own house. You know, before, you know, before I can let my kid watch it. Now, a product that's geared, you know, allegedly is being geared towards children, they can't even watch it. So if the adults don't want to watch it because they're disgusted with it, now the kids can't even watch it. Yeah. Well, that's a certainly a situation where it's developing more. You know, uh, the, some of the angles that are getting so hardcore, uh, I guess parents are screening their kids from it, and, and you're an example of that, Tim. You know, I appreciate you calling up and giving us your comments on that. Sure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. John, can I make a comment about that? Go ahead, Jim. It just kind of chaps my lips um, that professional wrestling shouldn't be geared toward kids to begin with. Yeah. And traditionally it wasn't in the past. Professional wrestling was professional wrestling. is a uh, sometimes violent sport. There, there weren't snakes and people being eaten by man-eating lizards and all this other garbage. But the point is, I think what, uh, what the WWF has done is trying to have their cake and eat it too. They spent the past five years saying, oh, we're wholesome family entertainment. Geared, we're geared toward kids. We want all the little kids to see these superheroes. And now they're throwing in snakes and coffins and all this other stuff, which is fine for adults. But... And, and it would be fine under normal circumstances, but not after they spent the past five years telling people, oh, this is stuff for, for kids. Mm -hmm. Professional wrestling should be professional wrestling, and sometimes it's violent, and sometimes it's humorous, and sometimes it's exciting, and always it's supposed to be some kind of quality. But it should be professional wrestling, and then people would be aware of, of what was going to go on, and if they didn't want their kids to see guys getting beat up, well, then they don't have to let them watch. But, but uh, there's, there's almost nothing for adults anymore. Uh, because the things are so stupid, so you're left with an audience of kids, and then they throw that stuff in, which it shouldn't be seen by kids. It's just, to me, everybody's gone about this totally in a crazy, mixed-up way. I know the WWF and Steve Planamenta have told the press that their stuff is violent, but it's no different than the Roadrunner cartoons, but I find it a lot different simply because I don't think there's many kids who have gone out and, and bought some TNT and exploded the uh, <laughs> rabbit in the backyard because they watched the cartoon, because kids know... Well, now, I tried to do that when I was a kid, but uh, unfortunately the fuse went out. Uh, but, but most kids, I think, can see the difference, except for Jim Cornette, between cartoon and, and reality. But the problem is, is wrestling blurs those lines. And unless they're going to define the lines better and, and come out and tell kids, okay, I'll, you know, have everybody come out after they've been snake bitten and smile and, 
have, you know, and, and dressed and hugging each other or shaking each other's hands, like, okay, didn't we do a good job? If they do that, then, then it might be. Then, then you might have a case to say, okay, it's like the Roadrunner cartoon, but they don't do that. Well, if they did that, like nobody that. would watch. And it's not like that. And no one, so you, you can't, exact, I think exactly what Jim said was that you can't, they're having their cake and eat, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, and it's, it's not not going to work. No. Uh, just the uh, just the whole snake deal was just, like I said before, was very hardcore. Now, this thing with Elizabeth and Jake the Snake slapping her around the way he did this past Tuesday, you just keep wondering what are they going to do next because you know they're going to want to uh, make this feud probably uh, come to a climax at WrestleMania. What is in store for the fans and the viewers out there from now to WrestleMania? What's going to happen to Elizabeth and what are the youngsters of America going to have to see on TV. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a pay-per-view between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania to kind of compete with WCW having so many pay-per-views. Yeah. Except it's not a wrestling event because they don't want to steal the thunder of Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. It's the Jake Roberts Elizabeth rape trial. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, I'll pay for that one. There you go. <laughs> I'll pay for that one right there. We're going to go back on the phones right now. John from Franklin Square, you're next. Hello, John and Jim. This is John Pantosi. How you doing? Hey, John. How hey, are John. you? Okay, very good. I just called my son Michael. He has a question for either of you guys. He has an idea of why the Survivor Series was not successful, and he wants to ask you a quick question, okay? Go, right, go right ahead. How come the gobbledygook didn't appear there? <laughs> <laughs> the, wait, do you have any answers why Mr. Gobbledygooker was not at the Survivor Series? Jim Cornette decided to see his family for Thanksgiving instead. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, hey. No, I'll tell you what, what actually happened was the gobbledygooker was... He probably will be. You know, this, this kid's asking more intelligent questions than half your adult callers. <laughs> Repo Man is definitely... Uh, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be there, most likely. And I think, and I think Rick Flair's going to be new champion. That's it. Great prediction. We agree with you on that one. No, no, no. Repo Man, all the way. Repo Man the champion? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Jameson. Putting on the tights and being the WWF champ. Okay? Okay, put your dad back on. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Belmont. Okay, Johnny. Okay, John. Thanks a lot. Take care, Jim. Thanks Take care now. Okay, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 955-1240 is a number to call here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. We'll get back on the lines now with Tony from Glen Cove. Yeah, hi, good afternoon. Hey, Tony. Yes, John, i got two questions. Go right ahead. Um, any information about your TV program? Yes, matter of fact, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, we have met with the producers again yesterday, and the uh, show will be debuting on Saturday, January the 4th, and it'll be at 3 p.m. each week, Saturday, January 4th, and Glen Cove, I guess that's Nassau County, you'll be able to see it on Channel 44. Uh, it's WNYX-TV. And it'll be on Channel 44 in the Nassau County area. Uh, also, Channel 54 in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn. And for those of you in Manhattan and Queens and parts of Jersey, you'll be able to see it on Channel 38. It'll be a one-hour live show, and uh, we're going to feature guests and call-ins similar to this program. Uh, also, a match of the week, which will be taken from... Uh, not the WWF or WCW, but the top independent federations. Uh, and also, we're going to have a wrestling classic match per week on video. So a lot of planning is going into this program. It debuts January 4th at 3 p.m., a live call-in show. Uh, second, well, wish you a round of Thank you. Uh, second question to Mr. Cornette. 
I'd like to ask him, other than six months down the road, how does he feel or what direction do you think the business of wrestling is going to go through the uh, middle 90s, late 90s? The middle 90s and late 90s. I think, uh, well, I think the, the success or failure of professional wrestling will hinge on whenever it is that WCW finally goes out of business uh, because that will clear up a lot of overexposure uh, on cable and on syndicated television. Uh, there, there's way too much wrestling on TV. There's there's not enough uh, wrestling that means anything in, in the whole in the whole industry, and uh, and there's no credibility anymore. I think if if credibility can be regained somehow, and if uh, uh, some of this glut of wrestling can get off of of television and uh, more live shows with a little more talent and less characters, uh, then I think hey, wrestling will do great. But if WCW hangs on and and uh, the WWF continues their trends that they have in the past, and, and uh, nobody else comes along to, to run a successful, credible wrestling promotion, I think it'll just kind of stay the same way it is now. Do you lose attendance if you go that way, do you think? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Do you lose attendance if you go that way? Uh, if you go what way? Um, credibility right off the bat. Uh, no, I, I think, actually, I think it will. It'd be hard for, for anybody except uh, the WWF to have less attendance than they have right now, so anything's worth a try, right? right. I, think, uh, I think if you just present some, some quality wrestling and, and do it intelligently for adults instead of kids, that, uh, you know, that I think you will uh, get attendance. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. 955-1240, and uh, I wish wrestling in, here in the States was run the way it was in Japan, and uh, Sonny, of course, you just getting back from there can attest to that, that... Uh, uh, the way it's promoted, there are no real, like, uh, bad guys and good guys. It's just uh, uh, hardcore wrestling. That's all it is. No heels, no baby faces. It's just, you know, right right there. And the action is, uh, is packing them in. It's nonstop. Uh, I think it's, like, the number third rated, uh, highest rated show over in Japan out of the whole country on all their programming. And the media, as far as the media coverage, while you were over there. Especially with this big tag, tag team tournament, did it get a lot of press coverage? Oh, there was at least 50 little photographers around the ring every night. It was uh, unbelievable. Jim, have you ever been over there? Uh, no, I haven't. Not yet, no. I thought Dr. Mike Leno was uh, going to see that, that you get over there. Uh, well, he did his best, but <laughs> <laughs> the good doctor, uh, I think he was just trying to get me on a boat somewhere. You know, uh -huh. Not enough Wendy's in Japan for, yeah. for Jimmy. That, that's true. It's a long airplane flight, and uh, I, don't, I do like teriyaki, though. But 13 hours. 13-hour <laughs> flight. Okay, we'll get back on the lines. We'll try to take as many calls as quickly as we can here. Mark from Brooklyn, you're next. Yeah, um... Uh, I got a couple of questions. Is there a joke in uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell? Is there a joke? Yeah, because it sounds stupid. Well, believe it or not, that's his real name, but if it was my real name, I sure as heck wouldn't have told anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are there any new guys coming into WCW? Well, they've been talking about Ultimate Warrior coming in uh, for a long time. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Talk of Patriot. The Patriot? Patriot? Isn't he, isn't he going into WWF, though? Well, I think WCW is trying, negotiating this week with him to try to get him first. Would they call him Patriot or Del Wilkes? Uh, probably neither. <laughs> probably what? Neither. Neither. Yeah, a new name for him. What is it called? Uh, is GWF going to survive much longer, or? Well, it's hard to say. You know, they're not, go they're, not ha they're having some financial problems right now. Uh, you know, we wish them luck and all, but it's very, very hard to, uh, run a promotion these days, especially when you're starting to get off the ground and the major organizations are cherry-picking uh, your best talent, you know. Yeah. That's what's happening with the global, and unfortunately that's, just, that's what happened in the mid-'80s when Vince started cherry-picking all over the country to get the best talent he could possibly get, 
a lot of people went out of business. Also, um, I just have to say that I'm happy that the WWF is doing all this because they're showing their real colors, that they're not really a wrestling promotion. All they are is a joke. Mm-hmm. That's your opinion, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way about them. Thanks for your call. I love the last two segments because, you know, as somebody who watched wrestling his whole life, I was, I was kind of getting sick of it all at that point. I, I thought that the products for all the matter for, for both WCW and WWF, they, they forgot those of us who grew up watching the sport, that wonderful blur between reality and fantasy was being erased. And it, it became so overtly ridiculous. And, and marketing to children, I think, is a cardinal sin when it comes to professional wrestling. Well, they're doing it now. Yeah, <laughs> of course they are. WWE, of course. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to go back and listen uh, to these clips and to hear guys like Jimmy Cornette and even the viewpoint of the callers in a lot of ways to just hear how, it, you know, it was it changed so much. But, uh, you know, very, very grateful to to be able to reminisce and, and hear these old voices and hear Jim Cornette as a very young man and yeah. his opinions. And, I mean, always insightful and always very intuitive about um, his vision of wrestling. And if you hear his podcast week after week, I mean, he's still as entertaining as he's ever been, even more so. I think so too. And you know, we have great callers. I, I'm a, I'm getting to be a fan of Vernon from Fresh Meadows. I think he always yeah. is an interesting caller to the show. Yeah. We still haven't gotten a George from Lyndon Hurst. I know the, most of the people from uh, who listened to this over the last couple of years on Arcadian Vanguard. I mean, we had so many calls from George from Lyndon Hurst, that little kid, but he hasn't called. And, and uh, some, some of those other classic callers from the early days, but then, you know, new ones replaced them. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and as people are going to discover as we move over to WEVD in just, uh, a few weeks, actually, um, it changes the game for us forever. It really does with the amount of, uh, callers from seven different States. And that's when we start hearing from Mike Johnson, Mike from college point and, uh, some of the others that, uh, you know, live on in history, and uh, it's going to be quite fascinating to go back once we move over to the big station. The show definitely had a, a lot of different phases, you know. Oh my, different- go- oh my goodness! And then we have to go, you know, go back into the rabbit hole uh, in the middle of '92, and uh, we can't afford EVD anymore, so we have to go back to WNYG where the show started. So that's going to be a trip as well. <laughs> Low power and the Hornsteins and. Everything else. So it's almost like full circle. And then uh, we continue on and get back on EVD. And then we go to GBB. And then we're doing two shows at one time. One on EVD and one on NYG. I mean, it's just going to be an interesting ride for everybody to take with us. And uh, each and every week we're here uh, with this podcast. And uh, we just love reminiscing and reliving this history. And I'm just glad to have you along for the ride, Bob. And, of course, Alex is learning uh, this history for the first time. And uh, it's interesting stuff. It really it is. Really, it really is. Um, like I said, I, I, I will repeat something I said on one of the early shows. The years melt off when I listen to these tapes because yes. uh, this was my era. This is when I worked in the business. And yep. um, 
um, I, again, I left the business not by choice. Uh, thankfully, mm -hmm. my phone kept ringing, you know, WCW with Colin Bowman and, you know, other things like that. But uh, I keep getting dragged into it, you know, and this time by you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same with me. You know, I keep leaving it. And there were times, yeah. as I mentioned in this broadcast, uh, that I had left for several years. I mean, uh, I, I did it three times. You know, I, I, I was gone. Uh, most of the 80s, you know, really, it really was. I was gone and then came back in 89 and 96. And and uh, and then I left again for, you know, 20 something years. And here I am. Yeah. You know, well, what I, what I like about this format on the podcast, folks, this is John and me now. This is us. We don't mm -hmm. have to pull any punches on what we say. And no. we can kind of kind of tell a little bit more about what we know. And we can tell about our likes and dislikes. We couldn't do that in the old days. Yeah, you you uh to uh to to more of an extent than me. Yeah, because you were you were working for the newsstand magazines. For me, I was trying to I was trying to be a groundbreaker, but it got me in a lot of trouble a yeah. lot of times. It had to be so taxing for you, man. You know, I'm thinking about oh, the, you know was. the different phases of the show, the reaction to some of the shows, the steroid episodes. Other things that you've done in, in the ensuing years, including in a couple episodes right up the road here that you're going to hear. Yeah, oh um, my goodness. that first yeah. show at EBD. Yeah, yeah. I have, to, exactly. I have to. I'm going to have to put a disclaimer on that show uh, before we play it because the, the statements at Doctor D. David Schultz and Billy Graham make against Hulk Hogan on that episode, and then Phil Muchnick comes out with this big, huge back page story in the New York Post. Uh, it's uh, it's it's really explosive stuff. Yeah, and, if, and if, if, you th if you thought the steroid show was kind of explosive, where do you hear this show that John's talking about? I'm telling you. Yeah, this yeah, is that's crazy, Bob. And um, and then of course, even what Missy Hyatt and and Jason Herbie say about Eddie Gilbert and some of the things that they say in just a couple of weeks here. I mean, you'll be hearing that. And '92 is an interesting year, and we'll be covering week after week here at Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And uh, it, was, it was an interesting episode today. We are definitely looking forward to it, and I hope everybody enjoyed today's show as well. Awesome. All right. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be, uh, uh, before we wrap it up today, I want to thank, uh, of course, Bob and Alex and Don, and uh, we just enjoy bringing this show to you each and every week, and we're going to continue to do so. And um, I want you to remind, I want to remind you once again to please check out the Patreon account, and you get the entire archives of Pro Wrestling Spotlight Radio Show. All the original, uncut, unedited shows are there. You'll have access to each new podcast several days before it's released without commercials. It's only five bucks a month to get you in the door. And there are other tiers if you want that bonus audio, video clips, vintage 8mm clips from my archives, photo sets, the Zoom calls, and the monthly uh, vintage wrestling magazines that we send out. Uh, we put up new content each and every Sunday. That's going to about wrap it up for this edition of John Arisi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight. You can join our private group at Facebook, facebook.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Our public page to share the history is facebook.com slash Matt Memories. Uh, there's a private group there as well. Uh, the YouTube channel is doing really well, so I invite you to go and hear snippets from this episode and all the other ones that we do that marsh uh, puts together for us so that's youtube.com slash pro wrestling spotlight you can follow me twitter at john arezzi instagram the same at john arezzi 
And if you'd like a signed and numbered book, especially for the holidays of my uh, biography that I did with Greg Oliver, um, Matt Memories, just send an email to me, john at mattmemories.com. And please remember to give this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, We're getting some great reviews on there, but that really helps us out. Five-star review, give us a good good review on that as well. Uh, Share the links, uh, greatly appreciated. And don't forget to check out our sister podcast, Matt Memories, from Madison Square Garden, covering all the shows I covered from the mecca of all arenas 50 years ago to the day the show takes place. Uh, The episodes are up right now, including that December 6th show uh, from 50 years ago when Freddie Blassie fought Pedro Morales in the Roman Gladiator Deathmatch. Also, that was the night that I was able to get Fred Blassie to sign a permission slip so I could start a fan club for him. Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden is co-hosted by Tim Poutre and written by Richie Garcia. John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. Our producer and editor is the wonderful Alex Robertson. Pro Wrestling Spotlight's creative director is our friend Marsh. And thanks to Don Liable once again for sharing his memories with you on our time capsule. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. <laughs>